episode 65 of Strange Brow Radio. You know my name, Tobe Johnson. Today I'm going on day 21 of self-isolation here in the Olympic Peninsula. I don't know where you are, but I hope you are doing more than twiddling your thumbs. This has been an interesting ride for all of us. And we're going to go back to part two of Viral Survival with Rich Germo. And I'll tell you more about him in a moment. But first, I want to thank all the nurses out there. I've seen some pretty incredible photos come back of tireless nurses, doctors. Uh, They even have scars on their face or scabs on their face from wearing face shields all day working tirelessly tirelessly. So to all your nurses and healthcare workers and first responders, thank you very much. Okay, we'll be right back with part two of Viral Survival with Rich Germo. Okay, so we're back. Part two, Viral Survival. Viral Survival. Let's say that three times fast with a face mask on. Viral Survival with Rich Germo. And it uh, it happened pretty quickly. We only did the episode a couple of weeks ago. A lot of, um, you know, Rich's predictions, the specifics of them about the dollar crashing do not fit into the world of cryptids, do not fit in the world of supernatural, do not fit in any of the preconceived notions of what this show would be. But since Rich is a well-known uh, cryptid witness and ex-law enforcement, he fits nicely into the mold so this is a dark episode of Strange Brow Radio, really dark. Second hour is super, super dark and scary and gross. So it's not everybody's cup of tea. However, there's people that have to go there. Um, and I can go there periodically and entertain different uh, ideas around here and compartmentalize that. I'm not asking you to. I'm, I'm straight up giving you a warning. Uh, this is a darker episode of Strange Brow Radio, so extreme caution listening, especially the second hour. So um, let's get to it. Uh, Rich Germo, Viral Survival, Chapter 2. All right, back with me again is Rich Germo. Hey, Rich. Hey. All right. So there's a little bit of delay between us at this present, but I've noticed there is a little bit of delay in everything we're doing since we spoke two weeks ago. I think it's 14 days today that the episode was uploaded. And for anybody who didn't get to listen to episode one of Viral Survival, they're kind of in the preamble to where we are today. Well, no kind of about it, definitely in the preamble of it. And a lot has transpired and a lot is still unknown but um rich you're someplace safe right yep okay now this is nothing new to you you're you're totally switched on if uh, anybody doesn't know your story they can go back uh, to episode 61 and uh, catch up with us we don't have time really to rehash everything but um, we stand on the brink of martial law national martial law if not some kind of global martial law and it's a a level of uncertainty that very few have ever lived under and i would say nobody has lived under 
in America. Um, not that uh, anyone who's come forward and told me that ranges from everybody still alive in their 80s on down. So, Rich, why don't you tell me um, what you need to tell the folks, and I will shut up and let you do it. Um, well, you know, it does seem uh, things are evolving pretty quickly. You look at Italy, and it's just bad to worse there. I don't even know what the uh, – I just saw statistics this morning. It says that uh, 40% of people that catch this between ages 20 and 50 require hospitalization in Italy, which is kind of a bad sign. be interesting to find out if those people have underlying medical conditions or whatnot. And then that the, uh, the death rate for men is twice as that of women. But they also said that uh, in Italy, you know, men have a higher rate of smoking and also rate of uh, heart disease and lung problems, diabetes. And so that also is a factor. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, I haven't seen the statistics totally on that, but I I think that the uh, casualty rate's a lot higher than what we saw coming out of China. Obviously, China was lying their asses off. And they probably still are. Um, I don't think we can believe anything from them. In fact, I think that this is going to result in, you know, the United States probably breaking 90% of their relation with China, probably trying to minimize or totally stop any trade with them, period, whatsoever. It kind of appears that that's where things are heading with the uh, president signing this, uh, what is this, defense um activation act where he can mobilize America and the military to uh, start making factories. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Well, it sounds like, um, you know, they're taking advantage of a crisis right now, inserting a new program, right? No, no, this is the activation of a something defense act. Uh, I just can't remember the term. It just happened. He just did it. I think the last time we did this was world war two where okay. we, you know, basically mobilized America to build factories, to retrofit buildings into factories because gotcha. and then to start producing goods that we would have gotten from other places. Uh, in fact, you know, when Trump first came into office that he spent an ungodly amount of money in the military for them to buy tooling so they could build machines and factories like lathes and all kinds of stuff so we could uh so the military could start building industry. I don't know if they had foresight of this or, or something like that, but they started taking steps immediately to uh uh stop um us from relying on other people for the things that we vitally need. So I think what you're gonna see out of this thing is to be honest with you, I think that you're going to see America become totally independent and probably quite isolated. In fact, I bet you you're going to see the whole world isolate itself from each other for the most part, people and countries and everything. After this is over, I, I think that everything changes. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, that's just what I see. Well, you know, you look at you look at um, the direction things were going before. Uh, you're probably familiar with, you know, United Nations Agenda 21 and Agenda 30. Are you familiar with those? Well, specifically Agenda 21. I don't know about Agenda Well, 30, 30 is just 30 is just uh, the advanced Agenda 21. What 21 is is uh, basically um, <clears throat> in your individual communities this 
these policies were implemented. And it's what you see today in uh, everything, land management acts, uh, uh, property rights, everything that you can think of about, you know, community development in the entire country pretty much is as related to policies that we adopted through Agenda 21 through George Bush Sr. originally, and then Clinton is the one who implemented it all into the individual communities. And essentially how it works is that if you were a a city or a county, uh, you basically have these orders that this is how you have to do things. And if you deviate from it and you don't get funding from the state or the federal government, because they've signed contracts to implement this agenda 21. Basically what's happening now is gutting that whole thing and getting rid of it. Um, I would even go as far to say that potentially, you know, this whole virus could be part of agenda 21 really, because it's basically the same elites that would have a desire to uh, push something like this because I mean, part of their huge agenda was, depopulation to a degree and, and this is going to achieve that. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I don't know how many people, how many people are going to die obviously from it, but I mean, it's going to be a bigger number than what we thought initially, probably. I mean, the spread of it uh, in Italy is out of control. Spain is out of control. And even with the measures they've taken, they don't seem to be able to slow it down very much. And now, uh, n- now why I Italy? Think, I'm I, trying to wrap my mind around why Italy has taken such well uh, what is it about i mean i know they live in close proximity and they're all smokers under you know a lot of them under 50 years old so that would explain the mortality rate but do you have any information on why spain or italy iran uh no well they i think they trade wise with uh i think iran italy spain you know trade with china in the middle east quite a bit they have a lot of um migration of people back and forth through business and everything through that region i think maybe that's why i got started there really heavy but you know the i mean italy and in, in particular is probably one of the places you wouldn't want this to get loosened because it has high population density you know it's relatively a very small country with 60 million people in it way much way higher population density than most of america probably similar to like kitsap county but the whole country but why not you know, Japan? I'm trying to figure out, dead, Rich, why, why not a place like Japan or even, you know, uh, certain aspects of uh, Malaysia? You know, these large cities, people living in close proximity, crammed together, Dubai, things like that. I, I understand yeah, you think. what you're saying, but um, Don't know. it seems very strange <laughs> to me. I mean, and, and, well, I know the Philippines is... Go ahead. Oh, I said the Philippines is having problems, but not near the problems as other places either. And they have some density, you know, in their cities too. But uh, it's they're having issues with it, but not like you know, not like Italy. Mm-hmm. But you know, I don't know. I don't know the answer. Maybe there's uh, maybe it's more nefarious where the reason is. I mean, obviously, you know, Europe has kind of been set up for maximum effect with something like this, you know, with all the migration, uh, hard to control those migrant populations of, you know, who the worker populations that are there. Um, I don't know. Mm -hmm. It just seems like it's more of a, you know, you look at Japan, I think it's a much more controlled society than most of Europe would be. You know, and even uh, compared to the United States, I think people are 
uh, I think Europe people are just so used to intermingling and traveling all around. I don't, I don't know. I can't, I don't really know the answer to it. Right. But Cause I you're think still that, describing a, a good chunk of, uh, you know, uh, cultural lifestyles that other countries, cities, regions all display. Uh, what about blood types? Is, yeah. Have you done any digging with blood types? No, you'd sent me some stuff on that mm-hmm. and you'd said that uh, doesn't the disease act differently with different types, different blood types? Well, they're looking at type or A being a type, rate higher. Uh, t- yeah, type A seems to handle the virus differently. It, it can't process it easy. The, the rebound and the mortality rate are different for everything. Of course, RH negative uh, seems to be, um, well, there's not a lot of RH negative out there, at least known, but um, Trump is RH negative. Uh, my girlfriend's RH negative. We have some friends that are RH negative. And uh, there is a, an immunity difference with uh, at least family and friends that are RH negative. But I don't even know my blood type. I assume um, it's probably an A. Well, you positive. were in the military, weren't you? Yeah, you yeah, in the Navy, you should sure. Know yeah, I should. I was even a corpsman, <laughs> so that's even worse, man. Yeah, but, so RH negative. No, is RH negative? That's any blood negative blood type, or what? Right, how, what is exactly right? RH so negative? they can de- they can donate to anybody. They're like a universal donor, but they can't. Uh, you RH know, negative is. They're but they're when they're before they're born. You know the I think the blood is almost rejected in some sense uh, from the mother. There's, uh, you know, unique properties to RH negative blood. And uh, I'm probably getting now, some of this what, wrong. What type is, is now RH negative? Mm-hmm. Now, R, I, I, I'm not totally versed on this. RH negative is <clears throat> RH negative or is it O negative, A negative? What is, I'd what, have to, that's what I'm getting to. I'd have to get uh, Aaron on the phone here. She's done a, a lot of digging on, uh, well, the principles of her own blood and the unique properties of it, but um, yeah. But she's a universal donor; she can donor donate to anybody. Well, I think it's. I may be getting this backwards. Either she can, and I know some RH people are listening to this right now, and um, I think that mm-hmm. she can receive the blood but can't give it, or vice versa. But you can't do both. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like you can just um, give give your blood out when you're RH negative or you can't just accept it. I forget which, which principle it is, but, um, and I don't know how she found out that she said that, uh, Trump is also RH negative, but it's one of the things that, uh, may affect your mortality rate. Uh, if you get this, uh, certainly if you're men, uh, also what about kids being carriers of this? They almost seem like the perfect delivery system. I mean, here they are in Miami beach, uh, celebrating uh, spring break having a good time. And uh, some of them seem totally unaffected by this if they get it. I mean, I've heard people say that they felt like they had uh, a seasonal uh, sneeze or cough that was very minor and they tested positive. So how is that possible? How are, how do you think kids are um, not dying quickly from this? Well, they're not the target obviously of this thing. They, they, uh, be it natural or engineered, the kids uh, have become a uh, a vehicle, I guess, to get to people that are more vulnerable. That's what I would look at. If, if somebody was going to engineer something and create something, wouldn't you want it to be passed to as many people and to not affect a certain population group, but then to have a, a massive effect on another? 
and that way it can survive a long time, reproduce, keep being passed on and not and not cycle itself out like most viruses do more quickly. You know, uh, yeah, it is certainly strange. And then you look at the mindset of the kids too, and, and, and you can kind of see it across the board. And I've heard people talking about this is that they, you know, the youth really has a selfish reaction to this thing in a lot of cases where, mm-hmm. where they don't, uh, aren't concerned about, uh, the people they may infect. They don't mm-hmm. feel sick. They don't see a threat to themselves. And I, I tell you, I have kids and I, I think I've done a pretty good job with them, but I've, mm-hmm. and, and they're doing better now. But early on in this thing, up till just a few days ago, they they just all they cared about pretty much was that mm-hmm. they were upset that their social lives were being infringed upon and that they couldn't face right. FaceTime with their friends and and do the things that they are accustomed to doing and and um, they're willing to bypass the safety of everybody else just so they can maintain the quality of life that they think they're entitled to. I guess and I mean you've seen a big uh, uh, I guess um, exposure of that, right? I guess. Maybe that's just a failure of our culture, I guess you could say. Um, but maybe, hopefully, that will get better. But yeah, it certainly does appear that uh, that the the disease is smart enough to use these younger, healthier people as vehicles to to get it maximum um, spread of right. this thing, just so it can have as much opportunity as possible to get to the vulnerable population that you know has the highest likelihood of not surviving this. Let me, uh, let me clear up the, the uh, hold on a second. Let me clear up this Rh negative business here before I get the, this protein is also often called the D antigen when it comes to blood transfusion. Anyone who is Rh positive receives blood from someone who is uh-huh. Rh negative, but those with negative blood types cannot receive blood from anyone with a positive blood type. So there is a, a quality to it, uh, this antigen here. So, so anyway, I, go ahead. So I'm O positive, but I could use blood from R. I can take blood from Rh negative. Well, you take as right? much as and you then, want. But CO positive, <laughs> yeah. CO positive is a universal donor too, though. So O positive, you can donate to anybody who takes positive blood if you're O positive. Well, can you imagine yeah. actually donating blood at this time? I mean, I know that they're asking for us all to uh, be uh, blood donors, but for example, I got the anthrax immunization. I got um, the whole shot series over a period of 18 months. And, um, you know, we were mm-hmm. corpsmen, so we would shoot up each other. Uh, we would sign each other's medical logs and, um, you know, do our own immunizations, including a whole squadron on the John C. Stennis back in 2000. I think it was around 2000 that we got those shot series. So giving my blood out to other people, you know, some people think that, of course, these viruses or these immunizations lay uh, dormant in your blood and ready to activate. Mm-hmm. Um, the immunization for anthrax was one of those things that I felt um, reactivates periodically, including high-grade fevers that would spike up out of nowhere and last for two weeks with no other symptoms. And then you have all sorts of crazy yeah. things like memory loss, uh, MS type symptoms and uh, nerve damage, things like that. But uh, with something like what we're dealing now, it sounds like this, uh, like you said, has this shell around it and can survive. It's incredibly robust. And so are you still leaning down the road that uh, as someone who has somewhat of, a, you know, of an insider track with this, uh, do you think this was still an engineered weapon? Oh, yeah. I um I mean even more so now I think it is I think it's an engineered thing I think the fact that how you're seeing that 
Trump is for one, and he's been hammered for this, and I think other people in his administration, they clearly want you to think that this is a Chinese Wuhan virus. They don't want you to forget the fact that where this thing came from. And I think that more and more later, we're going to get more information about how this all started. Because I think my gut tells me in this is that um, I think that we're going to probably learn that this was engineered and released on us on purpose, to be honest with you. And I think that that's why he is purposely pointing out the fact of where it came from in against you know, the wishes of the media who, who routinely will point out the fact that I can't believe he keeps mentioning that it's the Chinese virus. Every news station, radio you hear, they hammer on that. He shouldn't be mentioning that. He shouldn't be mentioning that. And he wants to mention that. He wants you to know. And it's not because he's a racist. I mean, why? Why would he go to that event? It's There's something else to it that, that he wants to pound that into you. Um, I mean, it's clearly, I mean, look at this whole thing like we talked about before. You look at China. You know, China releases this on itself, right? They stop the protests in Hong Kong. They stop any other possible probable uprising that may be festering because of Hong Kong. Uh, they get rid of uh, unfunded liabilities, sick people, people over older age, uh, people that live unhealthy lifestyles. Um, and you know that in China, they force you to retire 50 years old because there's not there's too many people and there's not enough jobs. They break the supply chain, which brings the world to their knees, right? Um, so they crack a few eggs. And it spreads. This is, this is the. Yeah. This is what you're saying. They have to crack a few eggs. Exactly, and then the United States. You look at it. It takes a death toll around the country. Gets rid of a bunch of older, sick people. Destroys the world economy. Crashes the banks. Everything, you know. And then China, you know, as opposed to come out of this other end pretty good, you look at it because, well, they have huge oil reserves, I mean, gold reserves, because they've been purchasing oil cheap for, I mean, gold cheap for a long time. Something else I wanted to point out about this whole thing, and I've been talking about this a lot, is, you know, you look at the stock market crash that's resulted in this whole thing. And the question you really need to ask yourself is, really, did it result in this whole thing, or was already going to happen. And this was just kind of the catalyst, like the black swan event that kind of sent it over the edge and, and really look at the catalyst is this entire thing. And it's not really this virus at all. I mean, maybe it began that way and the slowdown started, but there's one thing that uh, they don't have the ability to manipulate because of the, you know, just how everything works, which is the oil price. And it's super, you know, it's 23 bucks right now. And it was, Sixty dollars, you know, before this all started, and oh. it just totally crashed. You know, part, you know, you could say that it's because of a global slowdown, but you know, they have the ability to work together, all these oil producers, and then just slow production to maintain mm. a shortage and a high price. But they didn't do that. There's a glut of oil now, and the people responsible for that are Saudi Arabia and Russia, right? Well, you look at the, the problem that's going on. Russia has pretty much shielded themselves from this coronavirus thing. I think they have 20 or 30 cases uh, nationally. 20 or 30 reported cases. Well, the thing is, is about Russia is I know some I know somebody who has family mm. there. I talks to them every day. Uh, they live in the Siberian region in a big city. And, and uh, the thing about Russia, what happened at, from the very onset of this thing, 
from the very beginning. They closed traffic down. They shut their borders down right away. They started wearing a pre- protective equipment and taking precautious measures from day one, where we waited three, four weeks until after people had already traveled around. Oh, we waited wait longer all. than that. Right. I mean, we, if things started yeah. uh, December 31st, let's say, January 1, 2020, uh, the ball didn't get rolling here, especially at Ground Zero nope. in Washington, till uh, maybe the first week of March. I mean, the last week of February. But um, yeah, I mean, to the point where people are still walking into SeaTac Airport and oh, yeah. not, not being questioned uh, about where they've been, you know, I mean, including the hot zone. We've been over that. But I want to ask you some practical DIY stuff here, because I think a lot of the concern I see coming um, you know, via social media right now is what to do about practical things that are looking them in the face. One of these, of course, is money, yeah. um, cash flow, things of um, immediacy, bills being paid. Uh, you and I have uh, communicated mm-hmm. the last 24 hours about rolling things on a credit card, rolling things via cash. Um, may not stand mm-hmm. in the end. People are going to freak out about what we're about to say right now. And this is not our advice. I'm not giving you this advice, but I'm telling you what's going on here is that uh, if you have a credit card, it's time to use it. Why is that, Rich? Well, uh, the government's maxing out his credit cards right now. What do you do? If you're maxing out your credit cards, what's generally on purpose? What's your intention? to file bankruptcy probably you know here's the deal i'll finish my point about russia real quick you remember 1991 what what happened in 1991 collapse of the ussr Uh how did that occur because the oil price was crashed intentionally by the united states government central bank george bush senior we crashed the oil price to bankrupt russia what's happening right now Russia is pumping ten dollar in oil. Well, twenty. How, whoever knows, they can. Russia can make profit at ten dollars in oil for a hundred years, on, on their oil, right? We can only make profit on our oil fifty bucks a barrel, so they can keep it up as long as they want to crash the dollar, the uh, shale oil, oil sands, everything in the United States. Don't you think they remember what we did to them in 1991? I just wanted to point that out, right? So. I think that the exact thing's happening now. They're they're hammering us when when we're down. This is basically Russia's Pearl Harbor, essentially what's happening. We can't respond to it. The only response would be militarily. Yet it would be an unprovoked thing on our unprovoked thing on our part. I'm just pointing that out. It's very clear no. to me. Well, that's no. It's uh, like that a, that's occurring. It's like a Trojan horse red dawn scenario instead of troops on the ground. They're not stupid. Yeah. They don't have to. They can destroy America without firing one bullet. You know, that's and that's what they're doing. And there's nothing we can do to stop this. The dollar is directly tied to the to oil. The stock market is directly tied to oil. Oil's gone down 60 some percent so far or real close to 60 percent. At very minimum, the stock market and the dollar are going to mirror that at some point. It's just reality. Can't stop it. I don't see oil coming back up. In fact, it's probably going to keep going down. You know, because they can sell it cheaper than they are, and so can the Saudis, and they're going to keep doing it. Because the Saudis want out of the petrodollar deal, too. You know, they don't want to do this anymore. The dollar's worthless now. So that's what I'm getting basically into. The government's maxing out their credit cards right now. I mean, that's obviously what they're doing. Trillions of dollars a day are being created out of thin air to prop this thing up for the West. And in Russia, again, I'll get back to them real quick. They're not even in our banking system anymore. 
they have their own system. That's why you don't see that their their stock market or their currency on the uh, international, you know, uh, pages that show all this stuff. They're not even anymore because they're in on their total own program. They're not in any debt or anything like the rest of the world. They're just sitting there waiting for all this blood dust to settle onto this, and then for them to make their move. And I'll guarantee you one thing that's going to happen out of this thing is you're going to see most of Europe align with Russia and sign treaties with them because they get all their fossil fuels from them anyways. And the, I, I guarantee you most of Europe is going to be using rubles pretty soon. I guarantee you. Most of them are going to be using rubles, except for the U.K., maybe a couple other countries like Poland, who uh, the United States has invested heavily into recently. Yeah, with military and everything else, I guarantee you that most of Europe is going to be using rubles. They know what's happening. They're going to make their move. They're going to rise out of this thing as basically, you know, one of the major superpowers because China is subservient to Russia, too. They need oil from them. So uh, anyways, I'll get off Russia and we can move off of it. But I think Russia is a huge, important thing, part of this whole thing. And they're just sitting back and waiting. But anyhow, um yeah, uh, the government's maxing out its credit cards because it's getting ready to file bankruptcy after this thing is over to mitigate all of its liabilities. It's going to get rid of all of its unfunded liabilities. It's going to use – it's going to, you know, uh, this oh, – what, what, what would the term be? I think they're going to go through and uh, disband most of their government departments, a lot of law enforcement, other things, get rid of all these liabilities, get rid of all this corruption, and start over again. And what people don't understand is they seem to think that, you know, even with a currency change or a system change, that all of this, these pension systems and all these bank accounts are going to carry forward. They are most certainly not going to carry forward. There is no way that things valued in dollars and all this overinflated wealth that's not real and, and, you know, Americans are going to not be allowed to maintain this unrealistic lifestyle that we've lived up to this point. We're going to go backwards. It's a certainty. There's, it's just the way it is. It's not going to be worse. It's not going to be a, a, a negative thing, really. You just have to realize that we've been living this unsustainable mm-hmm. lifestyle for way too long. Way too long, and and we've done it at the expense of the rest of the world. And it's just the truth, you know. We've done, we've lived the way we live. The West has lived the way the West has lived at the expense of everyone else, and and it's the truth. And I think that it's going to readjust, and it's just not going to be that way anymore. Well, let me ask you, you this: know, uh, and, people, and if I, well, hold on a second here. Now, let's say a family at home wants to go buy a generator and has three hundred dollars cash. The generator is a thousand. Um, they have a credit yeah. card that they fluctuate on, they pay it off. Um, I mean, you need what you need at this point to the, to the degree where people don't really understand if you can't pay for it now, um, you know, you might not have to pay for it ever. <laughs> and just based upon the rewriting of how this is all going to look afterwards. And now that sounds like a really scary thing to do to, to be in the hole that way, but uh, when you're, you know, looking down the barrel of a, a gun, it's uh, it's mm-hmm. kind of time to pull the trigger on some of these things. And what I'm trying to tell folks is that you don't have much time to make these kind of decisions. No. So if you need to get something like that, ways. would you would you suggest that they do it now? They do it. I mean, I'm not going to air but, this episode for probably another week and a half um, unless I can find a way to squeeze it in. But 
Uh, so much is going to transpire in the next two weeks that you may not be able to do these kind of things, especially if you're going to ship it and order it to you. No. Well, what I would say, if you're not going to air this for a week and a half, then uh, I would say that uh, by the time you hear this thing, that you probably should have done this a week earlier <laughs> and right, uh, immediately right. start writing a list out. Start writing a list out of all things that you need and that you want, uh, and then all the things that you think may have inherent value to them that you can use to get the things that you need. Uh, preferably, you know, and in fact, I would take your cards and I would max every single one of them out right now. I would spend every penny you got because you're going to get free money coming in the bank pretty soon. They're going to be, they're dropping helicopter cash on you pretty quick. You know, the, the truth of the matter is, is that dollar you hold in your hand now or that credit you have in your bank account is never going to be have more purchasing power and it's never going to be more valued than it is at this moment right now. Because mm -hmm. in one moment after this, it's going to be devalued and it's going to be losing value and it's going to continue to lose value, right? And, and the fact of the matter is, is every day that you wait, there's going to be less goods available, mm -hmm. you know, just the truth of the matter, you know, and the fact is, is I would really start considering things like um, think about when, when times get hard. Because that's what we're moving into a prolonged period of rough times. What are the things that garner the the most value? And the truth of the matter is, I would say probably the number one thing on the list would be alcohol. If you can go blow some money in a liquor store, even if you don't drink, buy whatever you can, stash it. You know, whatever other products that you think you might need, you know, that you would think would be high value in trade. The stuff that people really want i mean consider it this way what if somebody who who likes to have a drink every now and again and and uh and you can't get it anywhere and what if you can produce a bottle of crown royal to them what kind of value would that have to somebody what would they be willing to trade you for that right you know pretty much anything pretty right, much right. anything they'd give their youngest child probably for that to you if they if you if they really wanted it bad enough or a pack of smokes you know I'm just saying, you know, you not agree with tobacco, but it might not be a bad idea to put a few cartons of cigarettes in the pantry because you don't, you can always throw them away later. And here, here's the deal, right? Um, yeah. I mean, everybody can file bankruptcy once every seven years, right? Right now the credit bubble is getting ready to pop. There's no credit liquidity anyways. Uh, and there's going to be less. It's all drying up. This thing is crashing. This thing has fallen into an abyss hole. I really, really doubt that you're going to have to pay any of this stuff back. And if you do, oh, well, <laughs> you know, I mean, mm -hmm. it, uh, I don't think it really matters anymore. When you see the U.S. government and every government in the world acting as recklessly as they are regarding money and just printing it as like crazy. I mean, literally. I mean, I don't know even how since September <clears throat> when they really started doing aggressive bailouts in September is when the mm -hmm. Fed started doing it. They've, I mean, how I, I'm just going to guess here, but I would happen to say from September to now, the amount of money the Fed has put in the banks mm -hmm. and in the uh, stock market has got to be over $60 trillion, $70 trillion, way three times as much as what our, what our national debt was. And those numbers are not even on the books anywhere. They're not even keeping track of that. Right. Yeah. You know? So, I, I mean, the truth of the matter is, is if that kind of money has been produced in that short of time, your money ain't worth shit. It ain't going to be. You better use it as long as the illusion exists. Mm-hmm. Because pretty soon there won't be any more illusion. And you can't uh, even buy anything anymore like gold or silver to hedge yourself against the dollar because it's gone. You know, the price in the stock market might be 12 bucks an ounce for silver or 15 for gold, but there's no way in hell you're going to find it for that price. And in fact, at any price, if you call on it, 
you're likely going to be told it's 10 weeks out of supply, which means that it hasn't even been mined or produced yet. So you're not getting it, period. It's done. It's gone. I mean, I put a post up on Facebook that said that the uh, escape hatch had been welded shut. It mostly has already at this Mm -hmm. point. There's no way out. There's no way to minimize your exposure to this at this point. There's no way if, if you can't buy these things to hedge yourself. I mean, there, if you're really creative and you start investigating, you're going to be able to find ways to uh, to get rid of capital, to buy assets that may be valuable. And they certainly wouldn't buy property right now unless you're paying off your house that you're living in. That's probably the best thing you could do. But I wouldn't go out and invest in land or anything like that because when nobody has money you know, to buy it, you're just going to be stuck paying a property tax on it. And, and the fact is, is that when other revenue sources have dried up, I think the government is going to lean heavily on property tax and that's where, and those are likely to go way up. So if you're holding real estate as an investment, what's that? Let me ask you this, Rich, what about cash on hand? What do you think that's going to do for people say six months from now to have physical cash on hand, which is also, now this is interesting. This goes down a wormhole of, it's infected. It's an infected body of some kind. It's a transmitter. Not yeah. only is it a transaction, but it's a it's a possible bioweapon being transacted from the infected to, you know, the host. So what what do you think about actual physical money and people, you know, have hoarding capital, for example, withdrawing their 401k or um, looking in, you know, actual cash reserves to have in a vault at their property? Well, I think right now, just for the, I'll, I'll focus on cash and I'll move on to the 401k cash on everything. I think you're going to be able to get cash now because they want to give the impression that there's enough liquid money available for everybody to have it and there's no shortage of it. And I think before this crisis, as we were building up to this crisis, that the, the, probably the Fed was sending a lot of cash to all the banks because there's been a run on banks already. I don't know if you've ever known about it, but it's already been happening. Uh, the drive-thrus have been packed. People are taking out three, four, five, six, seven, ten thousand bucks. My boss went down and got twenty-five thousand cash. They didn't even bat an eye at him. They just handed it to him. You normally couldn't go down and get twenty-five cash just like that. They're going to make you wait three days to get it, right? But they're giving it to you right now because they want to have everybody to have the impression of strength and that there's no shortage of money and it's just all available in there, right? Well, that's not really the truth. That's going to dry up real quick because there really isn't that available, much available cash out there. There's just not that much money. Most banks don't have 40, 50,000. They might have 40, 50,000 on hand and that's it for a day. <laughs> you know, they don't have more money than that, but right now they do to give the impression to the public that there's all this money out there. Well, there, I don't, I don't think there really is, but with that being said, you know, if you cash out your 401k, I doubt you're going to be able to get, you know, go in there, you know, and even in three days and walk out with 300,000 cash or 100,000 cash or anything like that. And I mean, I don't know. I, I wouldn't even care to have that much. I mean, if you have, you know, a thousand bucks, 1500 cash, I think you're in pretty good shape to, to ride this thing out. And, you know, you got your cards or whatever else you can use to. Well, I know, Rich, but I mean, do you do you spend that money on things that you can trade instead? I mean, is it go to a yes. barter system to where cash means nothing? You throw in a, a wad of paper at me that's covered in COVID-19 and it means nothing. Yeah, to no, me. no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's got. I mean, I, I don't. I think that you're. We're quickly approaching a time when hyperinflation is going to hit. 
Mm-hmm. It's going to be so fast that that uh, because there's so much money out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, the dollar's so overinflated. There's just so many of them. It uh, um, and then they've also here's something to to understand and know that's going on. Our government incentivized all these other governments around the world to liquidate their dollars to put them in circulation. So that's why you have so many dollars floating around out there right now. It's because somehow we incentivized all these governments around the world to make their cash available, means, which means they got something in return. What did they get in return? Well, we don't know what that is, but all these countries, Australia, UK, Japan, I don't know if China, but European countries, they've all released their dollars into circulation now so the public can get their hands on this physical money, right? That happened over the last few weeks. Um, don't know what they were told or given in return to allow those dollars to be released into circulation because you got to realize all these countries hold dollars because all their business is done in dollars. So every country in the world has big stockpiles of cash, right? Cause all their trade up to recently has been done in those dollars. Well, now those dollars have been released to the public, to the banks, right? They're available to be picked up. Mm-hmm. That's why you're not having to wait three days to get 25 grand. You can just go in and get it because I bet you most banks got 150,000, 200,000 cash in them right now. Mm-hmm. Probably easily that much money, way more than they normally do to give you the impression that money's available, right? There's no short supply of it, which mm-hmm. is not true. But, you know, as far as your 401k go, yeah, I mean, I would cash it out and I'd buy goods with it. Uh, use your cards. Get don't You don't need cash. Just use digital currency at this point. It's still mm-hmm. good for right now. I mean, I wouldn't waste any time with this. I would uh, be spending money. Now's the time to spend money. Okay, now let me let me go well, back. America- let me go back a week from today, or there approximately, to um, a moment here in one of the uh, grocery stores, a Fred Meyer grocery store out here in Port Orchard, and it's next to the Bremerton uh, Naval Base and the Bangor Sub Base, and it's pretty common to see somebody in fatigues walking around, and um, that's what I saw. Uh, a commander walking down uh, the cereal aisle. And I said, Hey, I'm a corpsman. You know, I did my six years. Just a quick question, commander, which is, you know, by the way, uh, a very <laughs> high upper echelon ranking system when you're t- talking to, to a commander. And, uh, you know, super nice guy. But I noticed his grocery cart was overwhelmingly full, especially of, of meat. And um, it looked like he was on his way to get a second grocery cart and push that one behind him. And I said, you know, what am I to expect here as far as the future commander? Have you heard anything? Martial law, for example. And he soberly looked at my grocery cart and he says, you don't have enough food in there, son. Uh, These things happen in echelons and this one is about ready to happen. And then he said, I've seen this before in other places, but I never seen this here. And he walked away. Now, fast forward to yesterday, I get a phone call from somebody in Alaska, says, um, I can't do the interview. Things are happening at the ranch. I can't talk about. We're on the move. Uh, Take care of yourself. Then five hours later, I get a phone call from someone that says we've been activated national guard i presume is what they're talking about and i verified yeah yeah so now we're in the we're looking down martial law coming here 
uh, we'll, we'll paint a picture as someone who's prior to law enforcement, what can, what we can expect, not only out of our local first responders who, oh, by the way, are being briefed uh, in some degree about major cuts to the system. If they're cut back, someone has to come in and take their place. Is, is that naive of me to say that? No. Well, I think we're going to, I think, I, I think it's inevitable. We're going to have nationwide martial law. We're going to be full lockdown house arrest, essentially have to call a phone number to get it scheduled to go to the pharmacy or the grocery store. I think, I think we're a couple of weeks, 10, it's not sooner, maybe within a week, that'll be going the way it is, you know, and obviously if you're talking to a commander in the Navy, is he uh, an 06 or an 05? Oh, five. Uh, I believe he's oh five. I'll look it up while you're talking. Oh, five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's pretty high up. He's a, uh, a command level officer. He has many men under him. He's, he's going to be afforded intelligence that the normal military doesn't get, you know, right. so he's, he's an O five aware yeah. than only, I mean, he's only yeah, preceded after oh, there's a captain and a rear admiral. I mean, an admiral obviously guides a fleet, uh, you know, aircraft carriers and such a commander, is uh, in the same briefings as an admiral is. Yeah, because a commander would be a flight commander. He would mm-hmm. be in charge of uh, all the aircraft on a, mm-hmm. on a ship on an aircraft carrier. Yeah, he that would be he would be the boss of the aircraft, and the the admiral would be in charge mm-hmm. of the crew. You know, right. so yeah, he'd be like a commander would be second in command of an aircraft mm-hmm. carrier. Right. Let me so let me number two. let me bring this up time. too. Is that there's very strange aircraft flying over Washington. Now we see, you know, a lot, we're next to one of the major international airports and we get international flights flying over the property all the time. Now there's nothing. I mean, maybe you get a low level or low flying aircraft coming into private airports, but certainly not to the degree it was. So it's kind of eerie after 8 p.m., but it's beautiful at the same time. And there is very unusual aircraft um that we've never seen before now you have these things that i call blinkers which may or may not be you know ufos or uaps they they burst giant white flashes and they're not satellites uh collecting uh you know solar flares as the as the earth uh you know uh, goes from sunrise to sunset there's something different going on with a lot of these uh, uaps but there's one aircraft and i don't know uh what this is but it's uh low orbit aircraft that uh, blinks every five seconds, a small half flare up. And then every 11 seconds, it does a huge white burst of white light and then intermittent bright red flashes. And it's always over the same uh, flight pattern going from Northwest to Southeast um, when we see it. And we've seen it every night so far that we've been out here enjoying the, the quietness of it all. But, you know, we're looking at a That's new. That's coming. Well, probably it's coming. Go ahead. Oh well, if it's coming those directions, it's it's doing a. Uh, probably it's coming from Accord, from mm-hmm. where you are. It, yeah, it could be. I mean, it, it definitely space. looks like it's low orbit, though. It it, it doesn't look like it's high <laughs> altitude. And um, anyway, we're looking it could be at a, probably a drone. It could be a drone. Yeah. So, I mean, is that a possibility as far as you're concerned that uh, they'll be keeping tabs on certain systems that will start to, you know, go into chaos? I mean, looting will start happening in these big cities first, right? 
Uh, yeah, but uh, I don't know if that's the main concern anyways, really, what's going on right now. you got to realize is that uh, even though we have this huge catastrophe going on, this huge crisis that's occurring, there's also another looming crisis that you have to always consider and, and that they're going to be completely aware of. They They need to give... The people that control this country, you know, the government needs to give some semblance that they have control and that this crisis is not as bad as it is because, you know, there are other adversaries out there that maybe are not suffering from the same type of problems that don't have the same liabilities that we have. They're looking for opportunities right now to seize territory and resources and things like that because obviously we're at a position of weakness. And if this is going on in the world right now, strategically, it's a great opportunity to move forward and to do things that you normally wouldn't have the opportunity to do. So I think that you're going to see a really heightened military presence. Mm-hmm. And, and because we're at major risk right now too, in that aspect, wouldn't you agree? Well, that's my biggest fear. And that's what I told this guy that, uh, petty officer, second class from Banger that I saw yesterday as I was throwing every fishing supply I could get that was left, including giant sea poles, live bait, uh, giant hooks. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I'm looking at a six to 12 month window here, which is going to sound irrational to to some people, but not nearly as as irrational as maybe it did 14 days ago. Now we're looking at a possibility of at least 30 days. Now I've heard this number Mm -hmm. two weeks to 30 days. Their press passes being given out to people that um, need to get to and fro from grid zones, echelon zones, hot zones. Now, these these press passes are given be, being given out um, to expire in two weeks once they're activated. Now, two weeks is, I think, the kind of language that they give people to make them feel like, well, I can do anything for two weeks. It doesn't scare the hell out of you mm-hmm. like 30, 60, 90 days. No, well, they can reissue those in two weeks too, and they need to. Right. You know, but, but, yeah, I mean, I think that we're looking at a full lockdown. They got, they got to. If they don't do a full lockdown, it's going to be chaos, and they're going to, not going to have any control. The medical system is probably getting close to being already overwhelmed now. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it's just, yeah, I think that we're, you know. I think the mm-hmm. best thing that could happen to us is if we have some heat wave that comes through and really knocks this thing back because heat mm-hmm. seems to be, well, it's not necessarily true in tropical, you know, places like Italy where, or more subtropical where it's warmer, they're still having a problem with the disease. So the warmth isn't really hurting it like they said it would. You know, I don't know so much unknown that's going on right now. It's just uh, like mm-hmm. we had said before, though, I mean, I would pay attention to what the government's doing. They're not concerned about spending money right now. They're maxing out their credit cards buy assets, buy resources, whatever you think you can, mm-hmm. it'll help you get through this, whatever you think you can to trade, because I don't think currency, I don't think cash and money is going to be very useful after long. I mean, consider this fact, all the trillions they printed, they're going to give every American household, you know, every adult's going to get probably a thousand bucks or more. You know, every household is going to get mm-hmm. like $3,000. Well, when everybody's got this cash just sitting in their banks, don't you think the price of everything that's in store supply is going to go up? Right. Yeah. When everybody universally gets this money. Right. And then, well, there'll be goods actually to buy. I heard a guy saying um, last night on CNN, 5,000 a month stipend coming into every household. No, no, no. They're going to maintain. 
where does that come they're from? They're going to continue to do this. Mm-hmm. It doesn't exist. They're making it up out of thin air. It just goes to show you that the money doesn't truly have any value. It's just uh, commerce coupons. It's a trade mechanism. It's all this. It doesn't have any value. It's not based on anything. You know, it, um, yeah, they're just going to make it up. They're just going to make it up and give it to everybody. So it's like, here's here's what my boss was telling. My boss went down, one of the guys I worked for, he went and down and got 25,000 cash out of the bank, out of his business account the other day. Cause I told him you should go get some your money. You know, might not be able to get it. And then I told him the next day, once they announced that we're going to get helicopter money, which is just free money. I said, well, once I get my helicopter money, I'm certainly not going to take payment in dollars from you. And he got pissed off. He's like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, there obviously isn't any value in the money if they're just giving it away. Right. Why should I take that? What else do you have that, that, right. to me that, right. yeah. that, I can, that I can do something with? Right. You know, you got gold, you got silver, you got building materials. What mm-hmm. can I, I get from you that has value in itself that I can either use or I can trade because the dollars aren't even good for fucking toilet paper and they don't even burn that good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so the truth of the matter is, is that I don't I, want them. And I've gotten to the point where in, in a week or two, when, when the government's handing out free money, and they're going to give you every two weeks, you're going to get 1500 or 2000 in the bank because that's what's coming because that's the only way. Why do I want that money anymore? I don't want it anymore. It's not worth my sweat or my blood to make that money. It's only going to be valuable and work as long as the people are fooled into thinking that it does because it's way overproduced. There's nothing backing it up. It's yeah, the, the first selfie we yeah, see of uh, someone in middle America using a $100 bill as toilet paper that's going to be a bad sign, folks. It may be a clever selfie, but uh, it's not one you want to see. Also, for people that are thinking about filing any kind of unemployment, looking for um, you know, getting a paycheck immediately in the mail, uh, there's language that you need to use in order to, to get the ball rolling. And I just learned this language. Um, you need to make sure that you mention if you're writing, calling, uh, you know, online filing for something like unemployment. However, you need to access cash quickly. You need to mention COVID-19 exposure. That needs to be at the header of your letter. Um, it, it sets bells and whistles off of legality because if you deny somebody... Liabilities. Uh, you know, yes. If you deny somebody cash on hand during an emergency like this, a national crisis, and there's a digital track record of you saying... COVID-19 exposure, it's, you know, it, let's say on a better day when the rainbows come out, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of litigious people ready to pounce. Don't think that there's not lawyers waiting to change, you know, the directive right now into uh, pursuing oh, yeah. something like this. Well, well, this is what I see, you know, honestly, coming out of the back end of this, I see this is one of the major things that goes away in this country is um, uh, civil litigation, to be honest with you. Countries that don't have civil litigation work a lot better than this one does, <laughs> you know, and I, I don't want to get into that too much. But, I mean, that has destroyed this country, the fact that anybody can frivolously sue anybody for anything, you know, and uh, it's been totally destructive. Lawyers are the death to America. I'll just say it right here. Lawyers are bad. You know, I, it just is. It's just the truth. Not a good thing. Anyways, um yeah, I don't. Uh, oh. 
I don't know. Everything's going to change so dramatically out of this thing coming out of the back end of it. It's just not even going to be America is not even going to remotely look like it does or did before this happened. I don't think ever again. I mean, the people are going to be different. The people are going to be weathered, angry when this thing is over. Mm hmm. Uh, they're going to be angry because their bank accounts are going to be empty. They're going to be broke. I mean, you might be a millionaire to, today, but I guarantee at the back end of this thing, if, you're, if your millions are in dollars or in 401ks or in annuities mm. or in this, any of this other shit, I, I got a feeling that you're going to be just as poor as everybody else. You know, it's just not going to matter anymore. We're all going to be, it's just going to be, the, I think we'll call this the great equalization is what this is going to be. It's going to equalize everybody. Everybody's going to be equally poor when this thing gets done. And um, well, you look at what's going on right now, the government, the central bank, what are they doing? They're buying up as many assets as they possibly can. You don't think that this money out of thin air printing is, it doesn't, uh, they're not buying something for that money. They're buying assets, they're buying mm -hmm. people, they're buying everything. They're buying anything and everything mm -hmm. that's got any value to it whatsoever. They're taking fake ass money. Mm -hmm. And they're buying it mm -hmm. because I guarantee you when you take free money, you know, from uh, unemployment or, or whatever else you're signing documents, you're mm -hmm. signing stuff, you know, your name is going on there. You're, you're entering into contractual agreements. You know, whenever you do that, I mean, whenever you take mm -hmm. bailouts, you're entering into a contractual agreement, you know, you know, and, and you know, the next thing that comes is that, you know, so far where there's more time in this state where you don't have to pay your rent. You know, you can't be kicked out if you don't do it. And the next thing is, obviously, you don't have to pay your mortgage indefinitely. It's suspended. Just like your utility bills are going to be suspended, your power, your phone, all that stuff. They're just going to give it all yeah, to you for nothing. These are momentary things to deplete panic, but eventually these things go away. I mean, now you're taking beautiful walks in the park uh, in ways that you've never been able to do before. But eventually that turns into an eerie quality to where the parks are empty. Yeah. There's nobody there. It seems more risky to go outside. Um, you know, I know that this, yep. this kind of talk is going to be, it's going to be hard, especially for the, I'm just going to say, it's going to be harder for women to hear an episode like this because it seems like fear mongering men out there uh, steering away from, you know, what is necessarily helpful and and I don't want to do that but at the same time oh, yeah. we're looking at stuff um as as men in ways that we've never been forced to look at before and like I wrote on Facebook yeah. you know now guys you have the chance to become your grandfather's character we all talk about you know this yeah. uh Pearl Harbor era that lived and came out the other side and they had a different work value and character than us. Um, and you, you were speaking mm -hmm. to that hour. Look, I, I want to also mention, um, take care of yourself, um, health wise, because one of the things that you can do is mitigate uh, old habits, including smoking. I, I want to place uh, some audio here and Rich, you'll be able to hear this as well of a gal in the UK who's uh, living underneath socialized medicine. She's a you know beautiful gal, looks under 40. She's been admitted uh, into a hospital, and she's on her phone. And if this hasn't made the rounds on social media with you, um, then I'll play her message to the not only American public, but anybody who's listening bedside. And so let me play this audio here of uh, what's this gal's name here? She gives her name. 
Well, her name's not important. Here, let me play it. Anyone? <laughs> if anyone is thinking, taking any chances, just take a look at me. I'm in the intensive care unit. I can't breathe without this. They've had to sew that into my artery. I've got cannula. Another cannula. And a catheter. I'm actually 10 times better right now than what I was before. I don't even know. I've lost count of the days. If anyone still smokes, put the cigarettes down. Because I'm telling you now, you need your fucking lungs. And please, none of you take any chances. I mean it. Because if it gets really bad... <laughs> then you're going to end up here. Okay? Thank you for all your lovely messages. Okay, so that gives you an idea of, um, you know, that's a super eerie, poignant thing that she says there towards the end. And if you could see her on camera mm -hmm. saying, uh, you know, quit fucking smoking. And if there's any smokers listening right now, I know it feels like it's time. There's no better time to start lighting up. And I have a pack myself uh, waiting for, for moments like this. But uh, I urge anybody who is a chronic smoker, especially, no matter what your age demo, is to heed this gal's advice. Because as you see this video, she is fighting for her life. And she may make it out. Yeah. Uh, she may not. But uh, chances are that uh, she probably was a smoker and in Europe that's no big deal especially in Italy to grab a pack and uh, go through a whole pack in a night so that's and also beards uh, I think uh, tell me what about this have you heard anything about um, men with beards being better carriers because beards are transmitters yeah I did hear that I mean I, I saw some on social media of uh, um, different chat boards where men are actually shaving their facial hair off because it's been proven that it does. This this thing is so crazy to where this thing such has such a long life outside of the human body and it, it, it can sustain cold temperatures and mm. it can live so long that, I mean, uh, I mean, generally speaking with viruses, I was under the impression that in most circumstances is that they, they aren't very hardy outside the body and they don't live very long in most cases. And they're really easy to to kill just through UV light and other stuff like that. This thing seems to be like immune to 99% of the stuff that most viruses are weak to. Mm -hmm. it, it, uh, but yeah, I mean, facial hair, clothing, on your pets. Infected people can touch your pets and they can live on them for days, <laughs> you know, and then mm -hmm. pass it. So, I mean, it's insane. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I'd be interested to know if... Um, if uh, marijuana smokers are having the same sort of risk mm. factors related to this stuff, because I mean, you're seeing that marijuana smokers compared to cigarette smokers, there's different things like, you know, per, for instance, like marijuana smokers don't get lung cancer. 
you know, for some reasons versus cigarette smokers. Even marijuana smokers have a lower rate of lung cancer than non-smokers do. So it, it, it's, uh, did you, were you aware of that? No, well, I was, yeah, study, yeah, right. What, they have, right. And I need to acknowledge here, the king of all beards has left uh, the solemn planet, Kenny Rogers, the gambler, dead, I believe, at 81. Yeah. And uh, he will be missed for sure. But um, the last oh, of the yeah. great beards, and even maybe Kenny would say, uh, time to shave that beard. So um, I know you want to have the apocalyptic chic on your side, but um, it may end up being the stubble that kills you. So be careful of that. Also, I wanted to ask you, Rich, about uh, ham radios. Luckily, before Amazon sealed its borders here with delivering anything that wasn't medical grade, um, we got our ham radio. And it's a, what is it, Baofeng um, AM. Baofeng. Baofeng FM receiver, UHF quality broadband. So you can use it as a a radio and uh, I believe a a CB, but it's also a ham radio. Let's talk about ham for people and um, give people the basics on what they can do if they can get their hands on a ham radio so they can use it. I'll start first off. Well, I'll tell you about a little bit. I have a ham radio and and I'm going to tell the truth with this. I flunked the ham radio test. I'm not (laughs) stupid, but Right. For some reason, I took this class and I failed this test a few years ago. And then I have all the ham stuff. I just set my radio up. I've got it all, you know, and uh, I should have probably, I don't have an antenna, but I've got everything I need. I got the ham radio set up. I got everything. But I also have handheld Bofangs, which are UHF, VHF radios, which you can listen to the Marine channels. You can communicate on them. I mean, they're kind of illegal to talk on if you don't have a ham radio license, but you can monitor. And I can tell you that everybody and their uncle has one of these bowfangs, and there's now, cloning what, Rich, programs for Rich, them. Right. Are they going to be illegal underneath a scenario uh, that well, we're paying here? How does that work? No, here's the thing. It's illegal under the FCC for you to talk on them unless you're unlicensed. There are like, there are channels. You know those uh, walkabouts that you can get that talk to each other? Right, right, right. right. They work on a set of channels that are, that are also within the, the VHF range. And you can use those channels on your Bofang and still communicate legally. But those Bofangs have more power than you're authorized legally to use without a license. And you can boost it or not. There's a button on there to give you more power. But nobody knows, really, if you're going to be using that radio to talk on those channels with boosted power. They, there would be no way to find out. In a, in a sense of a life or death situation, sure, you could get on one of those channels on there. Because the thing about the Bofangs is that you can, you're on the same frequencies as the police who are not on encrypted. If they're on regular VHF stations and the fire and all emergency. So you can program these things to be able to monitor all the local emergency traffic. So you can know what's going on that way because that's going to be your best news possibly if in a situation where everything may be down. You can get information related to the emergency services and what they're responding to and what they're doing to and what their communication is. So you can mm-hmm. monitor that. Right. And then there are channels that you can get on and you can communicate in the case of an emergency if you really need to. Right. You could even speak up on their channels. I wouldn't recommend doing that in any circumstance. I would find another mechanism to communicate because I would not want to, you know, feel their wrath related to stepping on them and doing something illegal under FCC to do that. Yeah. In this circumstance, do what you got to do, but I ain't telling you to, to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but those bowfangs, I would recommend anybody to get one that they can. 
and I would have them uh, cloned or programmed. Uh, fire departments, your uh, is a place where you may be able to get those cloned. Uh, I'm just telling you, um, uh, AOCs or whatever you would call it, the the um, command and control centers for emergency management. Uh, no, local uh, radio clubs. Hold on a second, Rich. Some people, including me, don't know what the hell you're talking about. So are you saying that people can take their ham radio into a first responder unit like a fire station and get it cloned and pre-programmed? Is that something, a service they offer? Uh, you can try it. No, that, but no, not particularly, but they all got them. They all have cloning method, methods to them. The ham radio clubs have them too. I mean, everybody has these radios, these Bofangs. They're super cheap. They're high quality. You can get five of them for like 100 bucks. I don't know with chargers and everything. They're durable. They're semi-water resistant. Mm. I mean, these things are awesome for their price. I've got a couple of them just to, to carry on you if you're out and about mm. and just monitor on scan and see what's going on. But you got to get them cloned because you have to get the frequencies put in for your local area. If you don't have those frequencies, right. you'd have to you'd have to know the frequency and you'd have to program it in manually for each one. Right. And these Listen. are things that you could look up, right? Get, I mean, you can go on Google and yeah, so look you it up. yeah, you can look these things up. Now, if you can't, let's say the grid goes down to some degree, the internet goes down, phone systems go down, we lose our electrical grid. It's going to be hard to charge your Bofeng, which is a weird spelling, by the way, B-A-O-F-E-N-G. You can look those up and mm -hmm. order one now for under, I think we paid under $30 uh, for a single unit. So yeah, definitely you can get a whole family of them for under 100 bucks, but... There's also like the $89 one, which is a higher grade. Uh, imagine you can go farther, but you have to know where to use these. Maybe. Two. Is that my understanding, Rich, that you have to be near a repeater in order to send out a signal no. to somebody? No? No, not necessarily. There are, so you got to realize that different frequencies are two repeaters. Some are line of sight frequencies, some are two repeaters where you can get out further and communicate. Right? This is all codes, right? So if you punch in the proper code to an address to a repeater, it means you can communicate through that repeater. It means that somebody else, so say in Los Angeles or Nevada or in Japan or wherever, they also have to be programmed to that specific repeater in order to communicate with you, right? So if they don't know the code you're on, you can't communicate with them through that repeater. Repeater is how you're going to communicate for longer distances. Mm -hmm. You can communicate just from the just the antenna and the wattage from the from the unit itself too, mm -hmm. and it may be good for three, four, five miles depending on where you're at. Maybe even further depending on what obstructions are in there. It just depends on mm -hmm. what type of UHF or VHF you're using and how. Uh, those signals are being bounced off and how they're mm -hmm. working in the environment. And, you know, you got to look at, you know, ham radios and how r radio waves work and all that stuff because there's different types of waves for different types of ham and, and different things like that. But, yeah, these Bofangs are great. They're high quality. They're they're the same radios that the firefighters and the police are using. they got the same capabilities. So you'll stay in do. touch with what they're just what, cheap. Yeah, you'll stay in touch with first responders as they react or act to situations so you can you can find those including you know weather emergency stuff like that or use it as a as the fm finding the yeah, fm station is super easy and uh you know maybe your local news doesn't pop up uh you know in the same way that am radio does but um i imagine everything will no. switch over quickly to fm radio now can you use a 30 dollar bofeng ham radio to go you know 500 miles away, a thousand miles away. 
I'm, I'm trying to, I'm sure. struggling to understand how you could access family that's a thousand miles away with your, if you have their signal and you have your radio, what do people need to do or where do they need to go, if you know, to learn what to do to, to reach fans and family that have a ham radio themselves? Well, here's the thing you have to realize. The, the buffing is not really a ham radio. It's a VHF, UHF. It has okay. not all the frequencies that a ham has, right? But you can still communicate with people that have a ham radio on VHF and UHF because they have that capability. It all depends if you have a, a, an antenna to hook up to, right, which is something that you can use coax to screw on to, the, to your bowfang to where the antenna goes. Correct. Right, and then you can also get longer antennas that give you more range just with the handheld. But you can hook up an antenna at your house just like a regular uh, ham antenna and hook it up to your bowfang, right, and then get out further with it than you normally could. So, yeah, you can communicate with it. Mm -hmm. Look online. Read the ham radio books for taking the class if you can get your hands on those. Uh, Whatever you can find online about ham radios, and you can learn about the bowfang and how it works. Read about the Bofang. I'm sure that there's this vast and vast. You could probably read for 10 days straight on Bofang radios and all the crazy shit you can do with them and how you can program them and everything you can do just on what you can find online. But I would recommend buying some any way that you can get them because it's a method of communication that's outside of the normal grid that we're all using now. And I would also say you can't use these to talk to the fire department or, or the police. Don't use it for that. Right. Don't do it they'll probably haul you away somewhere if they catch you because they have equipment. They can find you if you're doing it. I'm not saying it's going to be their priority, but the worst thing that could happen right now is you have the public on these radios that don't have any training or knowledge and they're on stepping on emergency services right. and covering them up. So it makes it right. so they can't use it even. No. So yeah, you can monitor. Don't play don't with them. It's, on yeah, the it's not like, I mean, it's the equivalent of having a high powered laser and pointing it at aircraft. It, it may it is. be fun until the point where, you know, the pilot gets it in the eye and uh, something happens and uh, don't think they don't have a way to find out this kind of stuff too. Now you can go on oh, no, repeat, they do. repeaterbook.com, I believe is a site you can go on to, to learn how to use a radio like this or radio reference or radioref.com. And uh, there you can probably find out more knowledge about these things as well. So if you haven't ordered, uh, I, you know, something like we're talking about, the Bofang, uh, get on Amazon. I think they're still doing other things besides Amazon or besides medical grade deliveries because we're still getting stuff uh, delivered to us, including I have an iPhone case, a charging unit coming from China that uh, says it's been delivered here somewhere in Washington is on its way. So um, that's the other thing I want to talk to you about is packages, delivery systems, going out into infected zones. One of the things that we were told is to have an, a uniform ready, an infected zone uniform that you keep outside and you change into and then you decontaminate into your indoor clothes. Are you taking those kind of precautions, Rich? Uh, no, I'm not doing a lot of this stuff just because, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I mean, I'm just figuring if I get it, I get it to some degree. Kind of. I'm so far out of the. I don't see many people, anyways. I live out in the woods, you know. So I can just leave it in my mailbox if I really want to. My mail. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not doing a lot of that stuff. I'm not taking as many precautions as a lot of people are. Um, I don't really have a super good excuse for it, other than the fact that, I, you know, if I get it, I get it. I guess. And uh, I'm doing what I can, but I'm not gonna. 
I'm not going to well, wear a hazmat suit around my property. Right, but if you get it, aren't you also in the quarantine department and you don't know that you should quarantine because now you're the perfect host to spread it? That's the that's the problem. Yeah, no, that's true. But uh, that's, you, that we're passing it through gas pumps and everything. So, I mean, how can you control mm. all this stuff? You know, well, I mean, everything. It's just, Right, um, no, no. I mean, I'll call out Peter DeFazio, um, a representative out of Oregon, I was down in Oregon last week for a 24-hour trip, and I saw Representative Peter DeFazio with his wife in Albertsons um, actively not practicing any kind of social distancing at all. He was in the self-checkout line next to me, and uh, no mask, no glove, um, you know, slowly unpacking his groceries. He lives up, uh, you know, in near Springfield, Oregon, I'll tell you that much. But I thought, man, you know, this is like the perfect... Uh, photograph I could take and call this guy out who should, you know, be a better example. And is it a form of paranoia to call out people that aren't practicing it? Not anymore, folks. I mean, if you see somebody, I'm going to say it, you got to say something that is out there actively spreading this stuff. The, the bare minimum, you need to have a set of gloves and uh, a decontaminant with you to wash off with because your steering feel, your steering wheel is infected and you go inside, yeah. you, made, you find yourself undoing your shoes uh, off your hazmat uniform that you've made. If this is as hardy as it is, even if it's not a bioweapon, whatever the hell's going on, this stuff likes to travel undetected and you can have seasonal allergies and still be a character a carrier. You can be a character too. Mm-hmm. But um, perhaps I'm more, uh, you know, paranoid. I also found out, and since this, uh, you know, friendship between Rich and I started in the world of Bigfoot, uh, we're going to touch upon some of this because it's within our sphere of influence. A lot of these conferences have been canceled. And to the behest of a lot of these speakers that have extreme egos, they still are trying to find a way to speak in public. Now, there's at least one individual I know of and I'm pretty sure everybody else knows of, I know everybody know, knows of, that supposedly was on a quarantine, actively speaking to the elderly and kids only a couple days after he left quarantine. Now, I was so grossed out by that. If this story is true, and this is actually happening, and these shallow men typically are out there needing to have their ego struck because they cast the perfect this or they saw the perfect that and they want to share how perfect their research is one day maybe i won't keep my mouth shut anymore and i'll just openly find out what the hell's going on here but it's not just this obviously there's people out there right now including my personal opinion this own they're actively preaching out of both sides of their mouth so we, we have to be better examples along the way here with uh, how we react to this stuff. And um, anyway, there's my soapbox. Um, well, I guess I'll say this, you know, I think that this has been underplayed by a lot of people that probably, in my opinion, I think people should have been more concerned earlier about this because they weren't doing themselves or other people a very good service by not being as concerned by waiting for the government big brother to tell you what to do you should have been probably taking you know responsibility into your own hands and taking some measures way earlier than you did to slow this down and and as an example like we had a big conference here big one but there was a conference out in grace harbor it was a ufo paranormal conference you know and dave politis went to that it happened just when this thing uh, it was right after the first myself and everett 
or first guy, uh, I think we had our first death. And uh, Steve Isadel came down from British Columbia, you know, and they had a meeting down there talking to come out there. Uh, and I told them no because of this thing. And I think that they thought, you know, I was kind of crazy. And I was telling them, you guys would be lucky to get home, you know, but they didn't. You, I don't think they were concerned at all. Sure enough, now all the borders are shut down and a lot of travel is shut down. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think that, like you said, you know, there was probably less people at the, that conference. But the thing is, is that I just don't think that uh, be taking any type of risk like that, these public speaking events, when, when there's any danger whatsoever, just because of the mere fact that each of us have a responsibility mm-hmm. to try to take whatever reasonable measures that we can mm-hmm. to try to not pass this on to people that are less fortunate than us or, or maybe more uh, vulnerable to this than we are, you know, rather than having a, a selfish mindset that we don't want to, we don't want to um, uh, degrade any portion of our own lives, you know, because mm-hmm. that's kind of the mindset that people have had up to this point, I think. And, and I'm not, and I'm kind of doing a blanket statement. And I'm sure that that's not everybody, but I think people wanted to, for the most part, I saw this in the public and that's changing now, but I was asking people at gas stations and wherever else I was going, what do you think? And, and 99% of them were downplaying it. They're minimizing it. You could tell that basically they don't want this to interfere with their day-to-day life. They don't want to, their routine to be damaged or impaired. And I think that's probably changed now because the reality has changed. But I saw people for the longest time minimizing this thing and, and saying it wasn't as bad as it was. It's not even, no. and you still people hear people saying, no, it's not even as bad as the flu. <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. they're still saying it. You know, but I don't think that we respond this way to the flu generally. No, we and let me say this if, you, if you're flu. knowingly a character and you've gone through the steps to find out, that you could possibly be or are positive for COVID-19 and are breaking quarantine, exposing other people right now, there will come a day where you're legally responsible for a death around you. Now that may sound extreme, but if you're delivering something and and infecting people knowingly, um, you are culpable in somebody else's harm. The same way if you walked up to them and clocked them in the jaw or shot them in the back. Um, so you need need to think bigger about, uh, your decisions you're making. Well, here's the reality of this disease. And and I think that Italy is the big, the biggest, the best model that we can look at for what's going to happen to America. Currently 10% fatal, fatal 10% of the people that that are known to contract this die. 10% have recovered. The other 80% are still sick, (laughs) you know? So that's the reality. 10% 10% fatality rate with this thing. That's probably what we're looking at. And if you look at the uh, SARS viruses, they are generally somewhere in the 8 to 10% range of fatality. And this is SARS. This is part of the uh, SARS family. So I think re- realistically, that's I, I don't think it's really probably 10% total. I, that's 10% of the people diagnosed. So you have a huge amount of the people that don't even get tested because they don't show symptoms that are strong enough. And that's mm-hmm. dangerous in the fact because they never know they're infected. So they're, they're just passing it the whole time. Mm-hmm. Right. How do you stop that? You, you can't stop it. But, but 10%, 10% of the people tested are dying, you know, and I think that when this thing comes out all the way and, and, and once our medical system is um, stressed mm-hmm. to the point where it can't handle it anymore, cause it's going to get there. I don't know how close we are. Then you're going to see the true casualty rate come into play once the medical system is overwhelmed and it can't, 
you know, it can't help people that normally would have recovered with the ventilator or with other stuff because there just aren't enough to go around there, you know. I mean, do you think really the Army Corps of Engineers is going to be able to build hospitals enough to handle this thing, hospitals fast enough, to retrofit buildings in the hospitals fast enough to handle this thing? I mean, do we even got enough ventilators in this country? I doubt oh, it. yeah, let's talk about ventilators. Um, what about, uh, I just heard yesterday that Elon Musk is uh, facing legal issues because he's figured out a way to 3D print ventilators and because he's using schematics, uh, probably blueprints that you can download to, to as crazy as it sounds, as Star Trek as it sounds, to 3D print ventilators, um, I say do it. Face the repercussions of uh, of lawsuits uh, for, for doing so because you're stealing, uh, you know, from someone who's made their prior, uh, you know, they have their own priority over an object like a ventilator. But I mean, what a what a Star Trek world, of course, it is where you could even physically do this kind of stuff. And, you know, chaos and uh, emergencies like this are, you know, the mother of all inventions. So we will, in my opinion, see new things uh, yeah. under pressure develop, including stuff like this. But um, I want to go back again to Russia, even though it may, you know, uh, bore the pants off of some people. Um, you know, there was a documentary that came out uh five years ago or something like that about the Russian doping scandal and the mechanisms that the Russians and the Chinese, but in particular the Russians and this go through in order to illegally dope up uh, Olympic athletes. So they place first and um, the measures that the Russians go through to sneakily dope up, um, you know, the Olympiads is so crazy and um while you're talking i'll try to find the name of it but it points to a type of uh you know forethought and planning that the rational person doesn't think this way but the russians have thought this way for a long time and you're saying back to 91 so uh, the disinformation talk to us about disinformation and how the russians may be using that to instigate panic Um, I don't know. I think the Russians are pretty smart and I think they're patient, to be honest with you. And I think that payback is a bitch. And I think they don't forget what we did to them and that they're getting us back right now. Um, but can you say your question one more time? Well, as far as the last time uh, we spoke about, uh, COVID-19 possibly being related to HIV that it mimicked, uh, it goes uh-huh. after the T cells. And I got some blowback for uh, mentioning that. Um, could that be propaganda coming from, you know, the Russia to, to, Russia? Us to, to cause some kind of panic that this is more dangerous than it is? How do we start to begin to, you know, how are you filtering truth from a lie? Well, I don't know. I think that what you haven't seen is that, sure, we've had this information come out, but we haven't seen any information come out officially that has said that's not the case either. So I don't I don't know if they're, that's the kind of propaganda that they would maybe want to put out related to this. You know, in fact, I don't know what incentive do they really have to put out any information related to this other than this to sit back and uh, make moves based on what is occurring through this whole thing. They're, you know, assessing and reacting do they really need to put out bad information? Because this is about as – I don't oh, think hell, there's much good news about this thing. Hell, hell yeah. Hell yeah. I, I wanted to mention 
Yeah, I just real quick. Hell yes, they have motivation to instigate panic and fear yeah, they do. in the West. Yeah. Well, sure, it's destabilization. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, they certainly could. It could be part of their strategy with crashing the oil price and everything else. I mean, they want to destabilize America as much as possible. I wouldn't be surprised if right now the Russians are probably advancing in, in the Arctic and, and maybe Antarctica, where there's mm-hmm. vast amount of resources, where it's kind of no man's land. They, they've already advanced in the Arctic and taken territory up there. Mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but um, And I'm sure that they're doing it right now because there's vast oil reserves and everything else up there, and they already have massive oil. But, and but real quick, I want to mention before I well, forgot. Before, before you do, I just want to mention the name of the documentary, and I, I urge everybody to watch this, to watch how you know uh, the Russian military system and the KGB move forward here is a documentary called Icarus. Now it's obviously about sports and the Olympics in particular, but it gives you the mindset of how the Russians uh, work in a really oh, up yeah. close and personal way. And it takes a huge left turn. You think it's about one thing, and then all of a sudden this documentary goes no. right. So it's called Icarus. Download it today, but go ahead, Rich. Well, well, I think that if you want to think about Russia and, and uh, potentially what they could be doing, what their agenda could be, all you have to do is really look at Putin. Putin's KGB. I mean, this guy's found a way to be in control of Russia for the last 20 plus years. I mean, uh, he's a pretty smart guy. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, we don't, um, he's, I think he's way above most of the leaders of the world, probably in intellectual capabilities. I mean, how else do you get to be in a position like he is and be able to maintain that for so long? You're in control. Psychologically, you're pretty powerful. With that being said, you know, um, I'm just saying one, something I wanted to mention that I read some stuff on that may have some benefit to coronavirus is uh Kratom. Have you ever heard of Kratom before? Yeah. So Kratom is uh, what you see on every little grocery store, uh, little podunk grocery store. It usually has a bright orange or green neon sign that says Kratom or Kratom sold here. Uh, tell people about, uh, I don't know what the hell you're about to say about Kratom uh, as it relates to this, but it should be interesting to to hear that it's well, not I read just a psychedelic. Go ahead. Well, it has uh, alkaloids in it that apparently uh, create antibodies against coronavirus specifically. Kratom's in the coffee family. grows in Southeast Asia, Malaysia, Vietnam, uh, Thailand. Um, essentially, it's a powder. They grind leaves up into a powder from these trees, and it uh, has a narcotic effect. It affects your opioid receptors, but you don't get high from it like you do opioids, but it has the same benefit to pain management that opioids do. So a lot of people that are addicted to uh, opioids, heroin can use Kratom to get off of that and minimize the withdrawals because it calms the opioid receptors down. But it also uh, seems to have benefits for other stuff. I mean, the government, they try to make it illegal for a long time, but they've never, mm-hmm. haven't been successful because it doesn't show, it's not shown to be harmful in any mechanism to your body. It does show slight um, withdrawal Mm-hmm. If you take it for a long period of time, and totally legal, like you can buy, you can go get a gallon of milk yeah. and get some kratom. Yeah, I mean, I've used it before. Uh, I've taken it for pain. I, I took it to quit nicotine. It really worked for that too, really well. You know, I don't. I've never really been high from it before. I guess you can. You may feel like uh, 
taking a minimal tranquilizer or even like uh, maybe half a, it'd be the same as taking like half a lorazepam or a clonazepam or something like that, like a half of a dose. It just chills you out, uh, relaxes you. But it may have, I read some stuff on this that say specifically the alkaloids it produces create antibodies in your blood that kills coronavirus specifically. Um, so it may have significant benefit to that, maybe something to look into. And it also says that it minimizes the symptoms significantly. Now, Rich, I'm reading about so, it here. It says in low doses, Kratom is a stimulant, resulting in increased energy, talkiveness, and need mm-hmm. for less sleep. So isn't it the opposite of what you just said? Yeah, but in high doses, it does the opposite effect. Okay, so the more you take of it, okay, that doesn't make any sense to, to the rational mind, but um, okay. No, but it does work that way because I can mm. tell you I've done it and tried it. It's pretty much harmless, you know. I okay. I mean I I take it occasionally just because uh, it relaxes you. I mean okay. it really does. It works. It works really fast and it has a really long. It works for a long time, six to eight hours. Is it cheap? Um, yeah, it's really cheap. You can buy it online. You can buy it by the pound. It's super mm-hmm. cheap. But then there's different types of it that have different effects. But I'm saying is what it may be benefit to this virus is what I'm saying. There is mm-hmm. some information coming out now that says that it specifically creates your body mm-hmm. create antibodies against this virus that kills it. So well, after, it makes the, it after reading about better. it here online, Rich, it, it reminds me of, uh, you know, things that people would use in South America or Africa to chew on for long arduous trips up mountainsides uh, it um you know is a, mm-hmm. a, a stimulant effect so it may be you 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 know useful for people to have if they can't necessarily drive to a bug out place to have some kratom on well, hand you, to push yourself through a moment it does do the opposite if you take a little bit more there's a fine line on it with some people it's going to be different you, you can get the uh, other effect by taking a small dose where it mm-hmm. gives you energy but if you go the other direction it's going to give you the opposite effect. So you got to find your sweet it spot. It really does, and right. it's very noticeable. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's very noticeable, and you can get you can get sick from it. Nausea. In fact, I do. If people want to take it to get high, I know that people do it, and and a lot of times they'll take Dramamine with it at the same time because it negates the nausea. So you can take a really high dose and get mm-hmm. really messed up off of it, and you can avoid the nausea by taking Dramamine. <laughs> right. So. Just so you know. Right. No, I'm <laughs> I just going, that, I'm I going through some of the things do. we've talked about in the last hour. Uh, we've, we're definitely not suggesting anything that we're talking about. No. If it's right for you, then, uh, you know, make up your own decision. These are possibilities of things that um, are legal. And if they're illegal, uh, we're not suggesting you do anything illegally. Uh, but, Go ahead. Kratom would probably be on that list of something that I would spend cash on and stockpile some of it for just because it has it has value in the sense that if you say you can use it for a broken bone, it is effective as a painkiller for broken bones. I mean, seriously, you can use it for serious injuries and have just as good as painkiller uh, uh-huh. results as taking Oxycontin. It does the same thing. It just doesn't make you high like Oxycontin does but it take away the pain the same exact way for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. People use it for that. It, has, it, it is very useful for that. So if you need painkiller or you perceive that you may have a grid down situation where you may have serious injury, this would be a really good thing to have on hand because it's just as good as a prescription drug without the side effects and you can buy it over the counter and it's cheap. 
I mean, you can buy a pound of it online, you know, for not much money. It's what? super cheap. How do you use it? How do you take it? Powder, you just eat it. You mix it. I mean, it tastes terrible. You can either just spoonful the powder and then drink water and suck it down, or you can mix it with peanut butter ice cream and eat it that way, and it's more tolerable. Um, but I tell you, I don't have anything. I can tell you I've used it. I don't notice anything bad about mm-hmm. it. I don't. I mean, you don't have a bunch of Kratom zombies walking around here like heroin addicts. It's just not the way it works. People use it to get off drugs. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, they use it to get off opiates. That's the most I've seen used. I used to work in a grocery store that we sold this stuff in uh, a few years ago, just part-time to help these people out. And we had they sold this stuff, and there were a lot of people that were getting it, and 80% of them were getting it to get off opiates, to get off oxy and get off mm-hmm. heroin. Then you got to get it now and because it uh, if people don't know about this, uh, they soon will. I mean, there's at least two or three things that we're buying, stockpiling up right now. We're watching the price go up on to the point where we can't afford it anymore. Uh, you know, five weeks ago, you could order a bunch of this kind of stuff. I'm not talking about Kratom. I'm talking about stuff that we're stockpiling on that I don't necessarily yeah. want to give the name out because then the, the price is going to go up. Uh, even farther. Rich, I want to ask you about weird deaths that have happened either as preambles to this outbreak or has recently happened. Um, Talk to me about anything you know as far as people that have uh, either committed suicide um, that, uh, you know, haven't necessarily been totally proven to commit suicide, suspicious suicides, we'll say, or, or strange murders. Have you heard anything like that that could be related to this? What do you mean? People like whistleblowers and stuff are you talking about? Well, not only whistleblowers, but I mean, you alluded to somehow that, um, you know, there are people in power that know things, including Epstein that, you know, was knocked off. Everybody thinks oh, that. Yeah. Um, is there anybody that, that is a whistleblower with this current pandemic or the financial collapse that has suddenly either disappeared? I heard the Pope has uh, recently disappeared. Um, I yeah. think I heard that he was sick. Uh, so uh, talk to me about people that you uh, have you heard anything like that well here's i have an interesting conspiracy that's floating around um the qanon world because i have access to a qanon bulletin board that is closed off to the public that um uh, okay i'll give you a little story it's the vote uh qrv board it's called or the awakening uh Q himself told people to go to this place in lieu of other areas being shut down. I did, and they capped it at 10,000 people, and then you can't even get in there to view anymore. But massive amounts of information. There's a lot of government people in there that are leakers uh, that have put out info. You don't know who's who in there. That's the dangerous part about it. You don't know the information that's coming through is legit or not. But usually the people in there can can uh, – um, Basically, it's a place where there's there's war going on in there, information war constantly. Misinformation, real information, you've got government leaks, you've got other people that are doing the opposite, intelligence people in this place. Everything you could think of is going on. It's like HN is the dark web. Well, this is not the dark web, but people are doing the same thing through it. Um, and basically, what I'm seeing in there related to this is that, you know, where Wuhan is in China? You know what? Have you heard of Andranicom before? Adrenochrome. Well, so it's also known as Lucer adrenochrome, which is uh, a form of uh, drinking blood. Yes, and they make adrenochrome in Wuhan. That's where it comes from. And the elites take this stuff. It's a drug. 
and it comes from the blood of children, human blood. And what they do is they induce massive torture into a living subject, and then they drain their blood out alive as they're dying. And in this drug is this very powerful narcotic, which induces euphoria, uh, anti-aging effect, all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's and a modern form of vampirism is what we're talking about. I mean, modern day vampires. In, yeah. But in fact, the fact is, is the, the, it's been known for thousands of years that um, if, you, if you create massive trauma and torture into a child, even an adult, but in a child that comes in much higher levels, their body produces this hormone. And if you consume the blood, well, it's been, you're going to get really high, right? And, 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 and the, uh, uh, like Epstein was involved in this stuff and the trade of this stuff, but, but the conspiracy basically says, and, and, and it's a little bit more than a conspiracy at this point, you know, I mean, there's some real, you know, intelligence and stuff that's been leaked related to it, especially through the Q stuff and all that. And, you know, that massive amounts of these Hollywood folks are addicted to this stuff and partaking it. And, um, and some of them have gotten infected because the blood was tainted and had the virus in it that went out to them. And, uh, and so you're seeing them, you know, on social media now, like Madonna has been one that people have pointed out and Oprah and some other people that don't look very good right now. They're aging really fast. Maybe Tom Hanks is another. I mean, Tom Hanks is somebody who's been uh, outed as a pedophile by quite a few people. In fact, one guy's dead now who who mysteriously committed suicide by jumping off of a bridge after he warned the public numerous times that he wasn't ever going to commit suicide um, about Tom Hanks and many of these other uh, elites who are involved in massive you know, child rape, pedophilia, human trafficking, and drama cone usage, cannibalism, whatever you can think. Go. Yeah, so so it's alleged, you know, that this andranicone um, reverses aging, mm -hmm. but it also causes other problems. Uh, Hillary Clinton was a good example, and it was alleged, you know, that she, she's been using this stuff for a long time. Um, and well, a lot but of let, let me ask you this, weird. Rich, before we go on with adrenochrome, because this is really upsetting to people. First of all, we've been, I haven't implicated. You've spoken about Tom Hanks. Uh, probably, you know, if there's a face of a good-natured, good person, it's Tom Hanks. Yeah. So as far as uh, the actuality of people doing this, is there any confirmation of what you're talking about that this is true uh, on any of these cases? Uh well, I mean, no, other than what's been traveling around through information that's been going out through the dark web and through, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of these other places where this is coming mm -hmm. out through a lot of these whistleblowers and leaks mm -hmm. and stuff. I, I don't think we're going to find out the truth on this for a little while, but, but, you know, certainly the behavior of these elites is very strange at this point. You know, why a lot of them are outside the public view, it seems like a lot of them may be been exposed to this when, okay, let me put it this way. How many people do you know personally that have coronavirus? Oh, so recently, I mean, there's been at least four people that um, have had the symptoms and two of them that have been tested and one of the tests came back negative, although I think it was a false negative, but um, so about four people so far in the last two weeks. That, that you, but none confirmed at this point. Problem, no, because probably. there's no test readily available, but I mean, they exhibit the, yeah. the the classic symptoms of upper respiratory almost failure, but yeah, about four. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, I've come in contact with a couple of people that potentially have it too that are showing the symptoms, but either didn't get tested or couldn't for whatever reason. Um, one of them got tested, but I didn't get to hear the results yet, but mm-hmm. I suspect she had it because she went to SeaTac and then came down with symptoms right after. Right. But um, anyhow, well, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, it's speculation at this point. I, it's, an, it's a conspiracy. Yeah, Tom Hanks is somebody that you don't want to mention that name because it makes people uncomfortable because he's the face of, you know, Toy mm-hmm. Story and Woody and all that. And, you know, he's he's Disney's guy. You know, but Disney is, was heavily uh, engaged with Epstein, their partners, him in Little St. James Island and Disney and uh, Haiti and Disney and Haiti and, and the Clinton Foundation and Disney mm-hmm. and I mean, it's alleged, you know, that Disney is heavily integrated into this human trafficking thing and and, and Dranocone harvest and child trafficking and everything else. And we'll find out, I guess. It's all conspiracy at this point with a lot of interesting information that would help you out. But, I mean, I don't doubt any – I mean, it makes perfect sense to me, but, I mean, it bothers a lot of people to think that way you know well, and, hell um, yes i mean I it bothers me to even it bothers me to even air it or talk about it because it's so upsetting so gross to think of uh this yeah. as an underbelly of stuff but there was a, a pastor that um i think I you got to mention it though well yeah there was a pastor that um i used to follow uh, by the name of ravi zacharias and he was taking an international flight and talking to someone talking about child smuggling and the use of uh, cobra blood and, um, you know, trafficked children. And they were drinking a concoction of those two things um, as a form of, I don't know, uh, hallucinogenic or they're using it for whatever narcotic narcotic they're taking. But, uh, you know, I totally believe that what this pastor was saying as far as, you know, this is overseas generally, right? I mean, we think of uh, places, uh, you know, generally out in, I hate to say it, but usually in Asia somewhere is where these things were happening, um, including these wet markets. Well, let me, but um, go ahead. Yeah. I, I think that I think that we are fooled, though, to think that this is not happening in the United States either. You got to realize is that the customers for this human trafficking thing, be it child trafficking, be it for uh, slaves, sex slaves, ritualistic sacrifice, whatever it may be, you have to realize the customers for this are the elites. They're the super rich, right? They're the people that are above the law. They're the ones involved in judicial system and governmental system and super wealthy, right? The customer base is super rich people outside of normal society. But you have to realize there are lots and lots of super rich people in this country these days. And um, if we are trafficking children, into this country they're going to be coming through ports of entry right uh ports airports these are undocumented illegals right the ones that are used for this trade nobody knows who they are nobody's looking for them when they disappear they're they're being exchanged as goods as money when they're coming through ports of entry it means that government officials are being paid off and bribed to get them through right and this is a regular thing that's occurring on a on a regular basis human trafficking is the biggest business in the world it's much bigger than drugs the money is much bigger. The clientele are the elites, right? They are the ones that buy these kids. And it may, I don't know what they, even the kids cost, but it ain't cheap, but they got lots of money to throw around. And these people are at no risk of ever getting caught. No risk of ever getting caught because the payoffs are at the highest level. 
and I and, and I don't even need to go into this too much further, but I believe that and know this 100% that this is occurring in this country, but I can't prove it to you. But I know that the level of corruption is so great, mm-hmm. and I understand that even the stuff that I was engaged in, you know, where I was a whistleblower, is connected to this stuff in a in a distant way, because the people are the same players that protect the corruption that I was up against mm-hmm. that are engaged in this type of thing. And I can tell you that rape and and pedophilia and Satanism is directly connected to the corruption that we're experiencing here every day. And you can believe me or not, and I don't really want to go into more depth about it, but I had direct experience with it, and I know that it's true, right? And I know that rape of children and much more lewd and terrible things other than just raping kids are part of these people's forte. Mm-hmm. Right. These are evil fucking people and they're running shit on the local level, on the state mm-hmm. level. And they're everywhere. These people are everywhere. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what else to tell you. The public doesn't know about it, you know, for the most part, 99.999% of them. And you can't really even tell them about it. And we shouldn't even be talking about it here where we are right now, because it's just not going to be readily accepted. People just mm-hmm. aren't ready to take that leap into, into, into really accept the truth. Mm-hmm. of what's been going on and how they've been fooled, you know, because they, they, people don't like to feel foolish. They don't like to, to, right. to be fooled. They don't like to think they've been fooled, but they have, they've been taken for a trip and they don't even know. Right. And we can just drop that right now if you want and move on. To well, no, else. just to, to uh, bring it back to relevancy. These are people that are decision makers about policies that are going to affect you uh, and how the world is shaped after COVID-19. If there is an after, I believe there is an after of COVID-19, but these are movers and shakers, people that can afford this kind of evil behavior and never be locked up that are making decisions about policies related to you. And are there bad eggs in every bunch? Yeah, but this is a different kind of there is. evil. This is an evil egg, not a bad egg. And, um, you know, no. so someone has to discuss this. And, you know, I should probably have a whole separate uh, podcast to talk about stuff. Uh, uh, you know, I just don't believe in censorship. So if a subject moves in a certain direction, then we, we see what we can suss out of it and move on. But, um, you know, that was... Yeah. One of the that, I would uh, like to... I want to say one thing, though. Mm-hmm. I just want people to realize, and I don't care what they think of me, if they think I'm crazy or not, but the many of the people that they trust, you know, with the keys to the city, the people that are running things, the financial system, the governments and whatnot, and this is truth, people in Hollywood are engaged in satanic ritual, the consumption of blood and flesh of children and pedophilia. And it's the truth, and I don't care what anybody thinks, and I think at some point we're going to find this out and people are going to be shocked. That's just the way things are right now. No, it's called but spirit. I that's going to change. Right. It's called spirit cooking. And there is a connection to uh, those in politics in the last year uh, and the link between, um, let's just say, an art installation that a spirit cooker um, had embraced some. Uh, I don't know if they are actively fundraising for someone in D.C. or not, but I'm trying to think of the gal's name here that was uh, doing an art installation of spirit cooking, which is um basically doing is that Giseline Maxwell um i have to he's a spirit cooker i believe yeah i mean you've heard the name before right you've heard that term yeah well Giseline yeah. maxwell is uh was epstein's partner and she was engaged in um she's a spirit cooker 
Yeah. Uh, I have to look up the name so, of the gal here in between, but uh, she has a John Podesta is engaged. John Podesta is engaged in that too. Right, and I think there is a there's a link between this gal's art installation. Uh, she's more known for doing these really crazy live art um, installations, where, she, for example, uh, one of the museums in New York City, she did two weeks, I believe, or something to that effect, of just sitting in one place in the uh in the museum and uh, people could come in and sit next to her or look at her eye to eye and she would uh just look back at you and they would have these profound responses of looking at this gal uh eyeball to eyeball wow and um you know that went on for a period of two weeks and i think she went to the bathroom and things like that and had a period where she left the museum but a very intense psychosomatic almost you know, MK Ultra kind of um, interaction with people, and and she got into to this ritual of a, a spirit cooking as well. So, anyway, it does have implications. People are into some really strange, bizarre stuff, and these are policymakers for uh, you know shaping your children's future, and and you should know about this, right? You should be able to uh, go to uncomfortable places periodically. God help you if you do, but you have to do it once in a while and and come to your own conclusion, including about crazy stuff like we're talking about. But um, let's switch gears here before we lose everybody. As far as what people yeah, no uh, can maybe look forward to in the next, what do you think people are looking forward to in the next 30 days, Rich? Oh, shoot. Uh, relief from this, but I don't know that it even happens at that point yet at all. It's hard to say. I think we're still in the beginning of this thing, really. I mean, uh, when when do you say so? Or, I mean, I hope that we are further along than the beginning, but mm-hmm. I don't I haven't seen any evidence suggest that we've we've made it to any mm-hmm. certain I mean, point. Are that, you, are that you predicting any kind of? Say, Boy, uh, we made it through that. Are you predicting any kind of foreign interference that may change drastically? Because that's my concern: is that there'll be foreign interference seeing a weakened enemy and take advantage of their weak state. Is that, that's my concern. Is that a concern of yours? Well, certainly I think, I think that we kind of already touched on that a little bit. I think that our adversaries are probably looking at us uh, and thinking what opportunities can they take? You know, it may not be directly to attack the United States. It may be geopolitical, more like chess moves as far as seizing power and control and influence, you know, and I think as this thing goes forward, I think you're going to see more of that potentially happen. I, God forbid that we have some type of a military act that occurs, but I would really think that that's not necessary because I can tell you that this disease is getting way more effect right now than any type of uh, uh, a military move would make. You know, uh, I mean, as far as destructive, this is about as destructive as you can get. You know, generally, say you're going to go into a war, right, with a – what happens when you go into a major conflict, like a superpower goes after a superpower? What's the first thing that's going to happen? Stock market is going to go up probably after it goes down a little bit. Energy prices are going to soar, which is going to take everything else up with it, you know. And and then America is going to go into a massive industrial production phase, which is going to boost the entire economy. They use wars to get us out of every – you know, economic disaster up to this point. And right now, you know, this disease is exasperating an economic disaster and making it worse, where in the event of a big conflict, uh, generally that's what the tool they use to recover us from 
the, the brink, you know, of economic disaster. So, you know, but in this sense, I think that what would happen if we did enter an economic, like a war as a conflict, it would probably just doubly drag down the economic system because uh, it just wouldn't have the, the normal effect that it would. But I don't think that anybody really needs to attack America at this point to have any sort of an effect. I think that what you're really going to see is as this disease goes through Europe, I think you're going to see Russia, like I said, make its move to to take up those you know the, those shares, I guess you could say, of all those people, because those are all customers. Russia's already got Europe as a customer for oil and gas, but what they need them for as a customer is a ruble. They need them spending the ruble, you know. And that's, I think, what's going to happen. I think that Russia and China are going to align with most of Europe, and we're not going to have much influence in Europe anymore like we used to, or in Africa, or in that whole hemisphere. And you're going to see America is going to focus its its uh, um, influence in America, north and south, possibly outside of it a little bit, but not too much. And you're going to see China expand its influence probably to Australia and New Zealand, in all those countries in that area, the whole world's changing. It's all going to cut. America's not a superpower anymore. I mean, I don't know if anybody's figured it out yet, but we're really not. We can't afford to do it anymore. The Navy is our police force. You know why we have all those big ships? Those are those are expensive to run to give that projection of power. You have to realize that America has been built on uh, militarily. Uh, on the basis of projection of power to be able to go out throughout the whole world and be the world police force, right? To make sure that everybody's using the dollar, right? That's why we have that police force is to make sure everybody's using our money because we reap the benefit of that. You have to look at what Russia has done where they've spent much, much less money on defense or military than we have, but their whole agenda is different. They're, they don't have a projection, uh, a projection of power model what they have is a domestic defense model, right, where they've spent all their money, like we have aircraft carriers, right? What they do is create the missile to blow up the aircraft carrier from a long distance away, <laughs> you know? Right. It's a lot cheaper than building the aircraft carrier. Let's, uh, let's That's switch. That's the thing. Let's go ahead. We'll finish your thought, and then I want to switch gear here, do a 180 and ask you a question about uh, Sasquatch, but finish your thought. What's that? Oh, finish your thought, and uh, I'm going to ask you a, a Bigfoot oh, question. No, <laughs> no I, I'm done. I'm done okay. with that. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Well, I want to get to this post here uh, regarding the, the window peeker because you're one of the first persons that reposted a post. This is a, a viral you know, set of pictures that uh, has come out. Is it an Indian reservation uh, where this was taken as far as? The, the photos Colorado? that have surfaced. Yeah, tell me what you know about this. Do you know anything specific? Have you talked to the the cameraman that took these pictures? Because uh, they're, I mean, they're amazing pictures. No. Yeah, I didn't talk to anybody on it. It came out on the Texas Cryptid Board that I'm uh, that somebody asked me to be to like so I could watch it. And on the fifth, I think the fifth of March, they were released, and they're like a couple of years old. And somebody in Colorado. I'm not. I read the the page on. I don't think it was. It might have been an Indian reservation. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Basically, saw something looking in the window. Didn't know what it was at first, and it was. Uh, he just started taking pictures because he's got a camera sitting there, and he got a sequence of photographs of this thing. 
And it, I mean, I don't, I didn't think it'd be fake, but it looks pretty good to me. It's blinking and everything in there. I mean, what, what do you, you know, it, uh, and then the cops showed up to look at it and, uh, two of the cops are pretty intrigued and one of them tried to convince him it was just a bear, but it certainly is not a bear, <laughs> you know? So, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, yeah, those are pretty amazing. If, uh, they are what they are, they're certainly probably one of the best mm-hmm. representations that we've ever, ever seen up to this point, I would say. They're, they're, what is your take on them? It's not a blob squatch, and I'm looking at them right now. It, you can see the pink around the bottom part of uh, the eye, where the bottom part of your eyelash would be, especially when its eyes are closed. Uh, you see, you know, it looks like a middle part of uh, dark hair draping down on the right left-hand side of the cone head. And then the nose uh, flexes up against the glass which would be difficult as, you know, someone who's a maker, who's made a Bigfoot before. And Rich, you were uh, fooled by one of the Bigfoots that I was making. And oddly enough, was fooled the yeah. right word? I mean, there was somebody involved with this. Well, Scott uh, Scott has already talked about this, so I can already talk about it. Scott Carpenter, who's we're talking about, was sent a picture of a Bigfoot I had made uh, for Ron Moorhead. And you can go to Facebook and look at Biggie's website. And, um, you know, there is possible to hoax something like this. But this doesn't remind me of uh, any low-grade store-bought mask that anybody would, would make. Um, there was a certain level of expertise. No. Happen here, including giant contact lenses. The eyes on this thing are double that of a man's, and there is no, it's just black. You know, there's no whites of the eyes in, in the images I'm looking at, which would mean a very large contact lens or some kind of high grade digital manipulation to pull this off. Because he's showing you everything in these pictures. I mean, aside from, you know, uh, the shoulders missing, I don't think there's any photographs of that, but I've, I think that this is the the real deal. I'll just say it. So do I. I thought it was real. You know, I, I you know, I'm easy to jump on and say it's real. But you know, I understand the technology gives you. But this is like, it looks like a real thing. You just look at it; it, it looks like a living thing. The face, you can see the wrinkles in the face kind of mm-hmm. move between the shots a little bit. The mm-hmm. eyes, like you said, the pink under the eyelids. It's got just. Uh, I mean. It, it looks legit. And the guy said the window's eight feet high, you know. In right. the, well, any ladder could do that. I don't know. This is bound to eventually happen. Right. This is either this somebody. This is bound to eventually happen. Right. But, with the, you know, see, now I don't want to go too deep down this, but when these kind of, um, I mean, no one's had a shot like this, if this is legit, ever. Nobody has ever got a shot like this, including Todd Standing uh, has got a shot this good of, of the face of a Sasquatch. And here we are under self-quarantine. And I just think it's, they have a really unique sixth sense of humor when they show up. It's just like, oh, okay, you know, uh, now you can sit back and enjoy us while we run the show out here in the woods without any involvement from you. Although I think a lot of us might end up in the woods, uh, you know, as their neighbors permanently. Uh, but anyway, it's it's interesting timing. And then of course, you know, the uh, the it crash uh, of Roswell happening uh, uh, right before, uh, you know, and during a, a major war is about ready to break out. I just think the timing is really interesting mm-hmm. of this. Well, yeah. Don't you think, um, I mean, if these things are, are tied into the uh, human collective consciousness somehow or not, because, I mean, if they're able to remote communicate, mm-hmm. to locate you, 
you know, remotely to contact you in your dreams and whatnot, they certainly also are aware of the timing of things of what, mm-hmm. uh, what has people occupied right now and what's going on in the human world. And, and this would be a great time to throw something like that out there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I believe the whole time, you know, during the Ketchum study, in fact, you know, that the circumstances of how everything happened were so strange. And we discussed this amongst each other many times of how it almost felt like these things were running it, you know, that they were the ones that were pulling the strings on us to get mm-hmm. us to do what they wanted us to do related mm-hmm. to the evidence we were recovering at the time, the, the, the biological evidence we were able to get. It was almost like they were they were the ones leading us around and handing us this stuff, like they were pulling the strings on the whole entire thing, like they were getting us to do what they wanted us to do. That was the way the majority of us felt during this process and just how the evidence was just – you know, it was just like, it was so weird, like, you know, my camera that I put up that I got the saliva off of, you know, that I got the Bigfoot pictures on up in the Hamahama, and then all the massive amounts of hair we recovered in the Winucci, and it was just bam, 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 all back to back that it occurred, and it was almost just like these foam. It's like this, they were giving it to us on purpose, and then once the study was done, it all stopped. It all dried up. It was just not available anymore. It was only available when we needed it, and then afterwards it wasn't anymore. Like they knew the timing, Mm -hmm. like they were in control of the whole thing, you know. And uh, it's just like, you know, during this process where these things were trying to remote communicate to me, and I had these two mediums that were coming to me at at the same time from different locations that were trying to teach me how to establish communication with these things. Mm-hmm. You know, and the fact that um, it was eerie, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I mean, do you want to know know that story? <laughs> you know, I, I told it to you before. No, yeah. Really? I mean, uh, let's, uh, uh, let's give the people what they want. <laughs> so, yeah, tell us. Okay, talk about I'm going to tell you an interesting story. Okay. So, you know, I had my whole thing that happened with Harstein Island and the buildup and everything after that and, and this kind of evolution with me with different things that occurred, instantaneous information and stuff through that process that I was seeing, that I was given these flashes of light where information came through and mostly personal stuff uh, just to quell my fears related to major questions, stuff like that. You know, but then it, it, it went further. You know, I ended up going to Denver and speaking at a conference. Dave Flytus had me come to the Mile High Mystery Conference and I ended up meeting a woman there. Her name is Elaine Beauregard. Uh, she's a medium. She was there for a women's business conference and we ended up meeting on the last day and uh, ended up sitting and talking. It was in, in the evening before the next day that we left uh, within a group of people. Tom Powell was there. There was some other people there too. And she had told me, you know, that uh, she basically gave me a reading and she kind of, not really, it was uh, informal. She told me that I had this bigger purpose and, and all this stuff and that I was I had an important purpose. Uh, she didn't know what it was and, and all this stuff and that I was a white light and that I had this energy about me and all this stuff. And she gave me her card. And anyway, she found me on Facebook later and contacted me and she told me that um, she would help me do some things personally that I was interested in because I, I'm kind of a, uh, I have discernment kind of where I can, uh, I felt like people were kind of draining my energy off of me which wasn't really what was happening, but that was my impression. And she was going to teach me how to stop that from happening. And remotely, we did some Skype stuff where she was donating her time to me to help me out. And um, 
so we did a couple of these sessions where she was actually teaching me how trying to teach me how to remote communicate a little bit. And, uh, but that's kind of where it went later. Well, anyways, she's in Albuquerque, New Mexico. She lives in Hawaii now. And she was having these Skype meetings with me. And I think on the second one, she stopped me and she said, somebody's here and wants to talk to you, but it's not human. And then we go further. And basically Bigfoot came to her office in spirit form while we were communicating in another way about something else and butted in and said, Hey, we want to talk to this guy. And for some reason he can't talk to us and we want you to teach him how to remote communicate to us. Right. And so I, I did like eight sessions with her for free. And you have to realize this woman's rich. She's a fertility medium. What she does is um, she connects prospective parents to prospective children, parents that can't have a problem getting pregnant. Well, she finds available souls that want to be born. She connects them with them. And then they get pregnant. She has like a 90-some percent success rate. She only gets paid when it works, and she makes like 20 grand a pop. Big money. Wow. She's very successful at what she does. And what did right. you call her? She's, a fertility she's, medium? She's I've never cool. heard that term. She's a fertility she's a fertility medium, that's what she does. But really she's a remote communicator. She can she can travel into that realm. She can meet whoever she wants, communicate with them, and then relay information to regular people. She was trying to teach me how to do it. She told me I had the ability to do it, but for some reason I didn't wasn't able to do it and she was gonna show me how. And she did, she showed me, but it, it didn't really work for me. Um, long story short, but at the same time I was in communication with her, I was also in communication with this woman from Mount Adams who I was put in contact with through Richard Hucklebridge who had been to see her before. And she, uh, was a religious woman, like Christian religious wise, but she, uh, moved up to this Mount Adams area from California. Her husband was a retired medical doctor, something like that, or she was, and he was in some other thing. I can't remember. Anyways, they had a lot of money. She ends up having these Bigfoots, you know, around. They end up remotely communicating with her, coming to visit her on a regular basis, visually in person. She ends up inviting people up to her property who have interaction guaranteed every time. Les Stroud's been there three times and had interaction with him. It's a secret. I'll tell you because I don't care because I don't even know him. But he's been there three times to meet with this woman and, and to have interaction with Bigfoot because they interact when you go there. Huckleberry, Richard Hucklebridge has been there. It happens. I've been invited. And for some reason, I just didn't really want to go. And uh, But anyways, how it gets weird is that this woman is communicating with me via email and phone many times. Her name's Michael. And um, she starts telling me that I have a group of Bigfoots that lives right around my house, you know, and, but, but but they can't they're trying to get through to me, but it, you know, they're talking through her and they're talking through this other woman. And, uh, what really weirds me out is that she's able to describe the whole inside of my house from Mount Adams. She describes my property. She lets me know things that are going on. Like at that time she was talking to me, there was logging going on my aunt's property next door. And we had some heavy equipment that was over there. And we had been concerned about it from vandalism because we have a lot of anti-logging people around here. So I put a game camera up over there. But she just went on her way to email me and say, hey, you don't need to be concerned about that over there. They said nothing's going to happen. Don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. You don't have to worry about that equipment over there or anything. <laughs> right? And uh, I'm serious. And I'm like, holy shit, nobody knows about that. Right. Except Bigfoot does apparently. And then, uh, then she goes on to tell me that they've been looking – in my windows from behind the house up on the hillside watching us when we eat and stuff and uh watching my wife when she's cooking describes my kitchen and then 
you know, and all that. And then I go up there and look, and sure enough, there's spots where these things have been sitting, and there's little stick structures where in little spots where they could get views from my mm-hmm. windows. Find them, and there's they're snapped off and bent over little cedar trees and spots up there where they've been looking and paying attention. And then she tells me they've been inside my house, and that that if I don't want them to, that it's fine, they won't do it again. But if I tell them they can't, mm-hmm. but they've been in there, <laughs> right? They've been inside. Well, and all the and, audience um, needs to do is go back to Andrea Billups' episode, episode 62. You heard uh, 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 Miss Billups talking about exactly what Rich is talking about, um, uh, a, a female Sasquatch basically describing the whole inner workings uh, of her house and where furniture is laid out. Um, it's, it's a thing, and um, I think it might be a thing on this property as well out here in Port Orchard because um, the other day, for example, um, after a drum was played about 12 feet from me downstairs, uh, it sounded like a fingernail bed flicking the rawhide of a drum and then dragging the fingernail across. Um, I noticed that there was a set of keys swinging on the key ring in the kitchen and they were just moving back and forth. Uh, there was, there's no way to move a set of keys on this key ring. You can't, can't talk them into moving or uh, move some piece of furniture around mm-hmm. to have these key, keys swinging. Now, is that ghostly activity? I think it's all kind of a part of the same thing. Uh, do you think that too, mm-hmm. Rich, that this is all connected? No, oh, absolutely. I don't think, uh, I think that realm, whatever, mechanism these things have the ability to travel from the physical into this metaphysical i think it's got to be same similar connected to ghosts or whatever else it's it's not anything different i think it's all the same stuff yeah well i think that's uh, my feeling too now um maybe we'll touch bases and do a part three to this uh i don't know what is going to happen in the next two weeks so it'll be uh curious to, to to see if a part three is warranted or needed or if we can even physically do on it but again i want to thank uh sasquatch chronicles for posting episode one what? uh it helped yeah. uh, get the message out a little bit more uh about uh rich's information oh. and then go ahead rich I just wanted to mention one more thing about this and the Sasquatch connection with this whole thing. This woman, Michael, that I was talking to him about Adams, the, the medium that was relaying all this weird information about the layout of my property and everything to me, who was having contact with these things. She relayed to me over and over. And, and the thing is that something that we discussed between ourselves is the fact that she had been compelled to move to Mount Adams. And these things, when she was in communication with them, were telling her that they need to, she needed to be ready. You know, and they said that, you know, they have rock holes that they can go into because there was going to be some bad time that was coming, you know, in in the future. And this was, you know, two, three, four years ago now back. But what I what I felt the connection I had with her was the fact that I had been compelled myself, you know, years earlier to make major changes in my life to get to a more safer location because there was just inherent feeling that, I mean, you're being really be pushed to, to, to make some dramatic changes in your life and to do some things for the future, even though you don't know what's going to happen in the future, but, it, but you're so strongly persuaded. You don't really have a choice. It's something is pushing you and telling you to get ready because there's something coming, something that's dramatic is coming and you need to be ready for it. 
and she had been pushed the same way. And then she had these connections with Bigfoot or had this Bigfoot mm-hmm. experience. I had been pushed in the same way. And I also had a connection with these things. What I'm saying is, could these things potentially have some role to play in this to where they're warning, maybe they're warning certain people, or maybe they're helping one, or maybe they're just say, yeah, you need to listen to your gut because there's mm-hmm. something really to it. And, and maybe what are they doing? Are they just watching us right now? Are they just seeing how we're adapting or dealing with the situation? Or is this just the beginning of something much bigger, you know, that we had, to, that we were supposed to get ready for? Cause I can tell you that I believe 100%. I have no doubt whatsoever that I've been prepared for something. Something has been compelling me, be it God or, or something else. And I listened and I did what I was supposed to. And as a result, I'm not worried now at all. I'm not concerned, not even a little bit. Mm-hmm. I have everything that I need. I'm ready. I've been ready for 10 years. I've given up everything in my old life so I could be ready right now for whatever's here right now, you know, and maybe this is just the beginning of it. I don't know. Maybe it's not going to be much worse than this, but I think that there's something else at play here, something bigger. And I've been warned, you know, and other people have been warned too, Mm. way ahead of time. You've been validated rich in a way that must seem comforting to you. I mean, you know, you could have died and never had any of these things, uh, come to fruition, but now there's a sense of validation that, that I mean, you must be pleased to some degree that you've been validated. Um, I think that more pleased that I'm not, I'm not, I warned people a long time and, you know, I was on one of the forums that I, that I used to go to a lot of people that aren't not like-minded as me, but I've known them all for a long time. And I, and I, uh, I went and I warned them for a long time and tried to get them ready and nobody hardly listened anyways. And, and I was guilty of the fact that I kind of rubbed it in a little bit and, and they're not happy about that. They get angry when you rub it in. In fact, the thing is, is if you tell people about it and they don't listen and then you try to go back and tell them, they just get mad about it. So, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel for myself that vindicated a little bit just mm-hmm. in the mere fact that I didn't, I didn't throw my old life down the tubes for nothing at least, um, it, um, mm-hmm. it's paying off and right. I feel good about it. Well, and, now that have people that, treated you differently uh, that may have otherwise scoffed at you, like friends and family, for example, uh, I'm sure that there are probably friends and family that looked at that and you just described the scenario. There must be people like, okay, you know, what do I do next? I'm sorry that I thought you were a dirtbag before spreading false, you know, rumors and acting paranoid all the time. You must have people that, treat you totally different than that now look to you as kind of a you know a guidestone uh the truth is is that no in fact i've told thousands of people to get ready to be honest with you i've, I've warned thousands of people uh, about this for like the last 10 years tens of thousands probably and i haven't had one person come to me and thank me for anything to be honest with you even my own brother didn't listen to me and he's still behind the ball you know and he might be trying to catch up a little bit now, but it's a little bit too late. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it just the thing is, it's like, um, no, no, nobody's thanked me. And well, I don't want them to either. I mean, I didn't do this to get thanked. Well, no, I understand that. But, uh, you know, I encourage everybody to find your rich <laughs> in your life. Someone that uh, has been warning you uh, along the way here to prepare for something, uh, you know, away from Sasquatch stuff. I'm talking uh, about what's going on. In our current state with, uh, uh, you know, a, a global change, we'll call it, you know, Art Bell used to call it the quickening. And, um, you know, I spent many a night listening like anybody else who has a podcast to Art Bell and him and Whitley Strieber called this 
uh, portion, the quickening. And of course, you know, he was branded as uh, pushing uh, doom porn and uh, pushing panic and conspiracies. But there is, uh, there are these people out here who've been warning along the way and also lining their pockets with greenbacks and selling uh, doom porn mm -hmm. to, to collect wealth. But intermixed in that were these kernels of like, no, there's, there's something here be, beyond this that uh, I'm willing to risk being wrong and still embarrass myself and say, you know, prepare for something uh, coming in our lifetime, which is, you know, a short span of years. If you start spreading the word at age it 40, is. you know, you got 40 years to be. Well, that's, what I've, right. well, that's what I've been telling people. You know, I've been I've been a crying wolf for 10 years on this stuff. And uh, and lot of well, that's a long time. And I, and I might say, well, it's really not very long. If you look at the big picture of things, it takes a long time for things to come in fruition. Just because I got tipped off 10 years ago that something big was going to come to humanity because I'm, I got some connection with something, some information, or, or I can see the future somehow, or I just have a sense of it or knowledge. It's really a tiny amount of time to be that early. Right. That, I mean, it seems early, way early, but it's not really early. No. And, uh, you, know. you know, have some fun with it too along the way. Um, I don't know what to expect uh, as far as the supernatural end is concerned and where we are. I think that supernatural activity is going to start spiking based upon doorways oh, yeah. that are opening. Uh, one of the things that I did yesterday was create a supernatural escape hatch. I built a 13-foot-tall portal out of uh, cedar boughs and put it out here in our forest so you can, uh, you can exit out of it. Uh, there's no enter sign on this portal. It is merely an exit point. And, um, you know, for me, it, it was just fun creating it. Uh, it passed eight hours uh, away of, uh, you know, me you know, sitting on my ass watching Netflix and said I was out there chucking an axe at uh, cedar boughs and creating this, this portal. And we put Christmas lights around it, which I guess is a thing. Now people are putting up Christmas lights in Europe uh, just to brighten the mood. And um, so we we sleep uh, uh, right outside this portal and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, we got a friend, Alex Whitcomb in Canada, who's going to make one as well. And uh, we're going to conduct some very offbeat uh, experiments to see if we can transport or apport objects by throwing them through the portal um, before and after we go to bed and see what what pops out. Maybe I'll I'll get one of his driftwood tools, uh, you know, thrown in from Canada all the way here to Washington. Stranger things have happened and uh, we've done our best to document them along the way with the Al Moon Lab. So, um, you know, just keep your eye out, especially in the skies. Keep your eye out at night in these clear skies. At least they've been super clear for heightened UFO activity because uh, now is the chance with the absence of contrails, the absence of air traffic, to have the skies all to yourself. So before you're quarantined, go out to a school field at night or a mountainside and, and appreciate uh, what's going on in the sky. And I, I bet you'll be surprised at what you see, especially if you have night vision. Yeah. We've had some nice skies lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's for sure. Well, hey, I'm going to yeah, go out weather, and... That has been... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that's something that we've had all this trouble, but the last... We've had just been blessed with this beautiful weather mm -hmm. lately. This is amazing. And I think it's going to continue. 
you know, it seems to me that we're going to have really nice weather. I bet we're going to have a great summer this year, even though we won't be able to like hang out together too much. People right. can still go outside and enjoy nature and go places. And well, if you're in the West Coast, don't. don't uh, house. If you're in the West Coast, don't listen to Rich right now, because it's uh, it's calling for the next seven days of rain showers. But um, that means everybody really? on the East Terrible. Coast uh, is going to get the seven day. Uh, banner of uh, blue skies coming their way. But as far as the West Coast is concerned, uh, things are looking pretty bleak. So it might be catching up on uh, Netflix. Um, so, hey, man, I got to go. And um, it's good uh, talking to you again. And uh, we'll touch bases either on our Bofangs or on the internet. And um, you take care. Yep. Talk to you soon. Hang in there. All right. That was Rich Germo and viral survival too i told you the second hour is going to be pretty bleak and you know when you go down these conspiracy roads which a show like this will do now and again first of all there's a lot of conspiracies out there that come true and a large viral outbreak is one of those conspiracies now natural man-made i don't know I actually had a chance to ask uh, Colonel and Dr. John B. Alexander, uh, Skinwalker, ranch fame, and uh, you know, all over the UFO circuit as a speaker, um, asked him whether or not this was a bioweapon. He said absolutely not. He said it was the wet markets, it was the fact that they had animals from different parts of the world cohabitating and, and basically shitting on one another. And uh, through that, it transmuted into humans. So that was, uh, you know, from the colonel's mouth. But if you want to see the colonel, you can do that. Because on the 28th, Tom Powell, John B. Alexander, Skinwalker Ranch, and Sasquatch Portals. That's the name of the game. How do you get a ticket? They're free. You can get them now. Limited amount of spacing. Saturday, 10 to 11 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. 10 to 1 p.m. Excuse me. 10 to 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And you go to strangebrowradio.com and I put in a hyperlink. All you do is click it, you go uh, type in your email and your name, and you get a code. That gets you in the door. 10 to 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Click it today. Also, coming up April 4th and 5th, Timothy Renner, me, Ron Moorhead, and many others speaking at the SasquatchRendezvous.com. Go to SasquatchRendezvous.com. Get your ticket now. They're for sale. And that's a family pass. Loads of people could sit in on this and watch it with you. Sasquatch Rendezvous, April 4th and 5th. Two-day event. Get your tickets now. That's where you get your tickets. SasquatchRendezvous.com. All right. That's it. Um, everyone, of course, wash your hands. Be safe. If you know a healthcare provider, tell them thank you. And um, hey, I will see you in the trees. <laughs>